Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is viral video showing white dust, some kind of strange substance falling onto cars. And news reports that in eastern West Virginia, I love saying that, and Maryland, People are reporting a strange substance blanketing their vehicles and their homes and outside. Now, of course, everybody's very concerned. We are downwind from the uh, East Palestine derailment. It, it may be a little late for this to actually be hitting us now. So it could be a dust storm. But West Virginia announced they don't know the source of the substance. They're going to be testing it. Hopefully, it's just dust being blown from you know the Midwest or from Texas. But needless to say... There is an investigation. People are concerned. And this is exactly what we had been talking about a week or two ago. And now, sure enough, what a coincidence, something is happening. I got to say, the idea that it's a dust storm would be the perfect coincidence, considering we were just talking about, one, vehicles that were being covered in a white substance or residue near East Palestine. Now we're seeing that white substance residue or a similar one in this area downwind from the disaster. And then they're like, oh, but there was also a dust storm. And I'm like, well, that's the perfect time for a dust storm to happen when we're concerned about exactly this. So we'll talk about that. Plus, we got a crazy story. Project Veritas has seen another, I think, a top-level resignation from one of their uh, staff members. And they've put out a video begging people, please, we need your support. And they want James O'Keefe back. And then we'll talk about some culture stuff because we got a funny story. Was it Angela Davis? That's her name, right? Uh, she, the the oh, Black yes. Panther? Yes. Yeah, she found out she's a descendant of the Mayflower. Yes. So this is, you know, this is a, a black critical race theory kind of activist who's discovering she, in fact, is descended from colonizers. But the, the story there is actually a bit nuanced and a lot of people are laughing, but we'll get into all that. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com, become a member and support our work. Click that Join Us button at TimCast.com. You'll get access to our new live members only show Monday through Thursday. It goes up around 10, 10 p.m. Right when we wrap the live show, we go live. You can watch that. And uh, a lot of people really do like that we're doing it live. Now, once the show ends, it stays as a video on demand to be watched whenever you want in our massive library of content. And today, we launched the first episode of the Culture War with Tim Pool podcast over at youtube.com slash TimCast. It's, all, it's also going to be up on Apple, Spotify, etc. We uh, uh, I talked with Ali London. It was very interesting. Next week, I'm really excited. We're going to have, uh, uh, an, uh, we'll just say an artist, an artist to talk about uh, vax mandates and other things negatively impacting the industry. So it's going to be a really, really fun show. So check that out if you haven't already. Don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Joining us tonight to talk about this and so much more is former acting Secretary of Defense, Chris C. Miller. Tim, I can't believe I finally arrived on <laughs> your show. I had to write a book to get on your show. It's a prerequisite, yes, right? It, and yeah. so thanks for having me. It's uh, love the vibe, love the team. Really looking forward to being part of this kind of interesting, engaging discussion. It was already getting kind of crazy talking about all the stuff that's going on in the administration. But uh, yeah, people don't know this. He actually showed up at our door, knocked, and said, "Can I come on?" We said, "Not until you write a book." And so we, we kicked him out. <laughs> and then he came back with a book. We said, "Okay, now you can come on." So uh, thanks for hanging out. Should be fun. We also got Alad Eliyahu hanging out. Hey, everybody. What's up? I am Alad Eliyahu. I'm a field reporter here at Timcast News. Thanks for having me. 
And Phil Labonte. Hello, everyone. I am Phil Labonte, the uh, lead singer of All That Remains, uh, anti-communist and counter-revolutionary. That's a business card. That's a, that's 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 how you don't I need want a to be. Biz, you of. don't need a business card because you are a rock star. That's right. That's right. I, uh, Chris, we talked about your book a little bit before. It's uh, Soldier Secretary is the name of it. And talk about repurposing the war machine. I've been thinking about a lot about it. You mentioned that's kind of what's in the book. Maybe not the entire premise, but really quick, can you elevator pitch the, the, the premise of the book? Yeah. Thanks, Ian. Thanks for the setup. That was awesome. Tim, you got the best crew in town. Oh, that's what Ian I think, does. I think I think Joe Rogan should be threatened. I know you. I know you said that there's no competition at all. Yeah, because he's I got, got like 500 times the audience we do. No. <laughs> hey, not tonight. When this oh, gets yeah. out, uh, yeah. So the book is really about a couple things. You know, only seven percent of our nation serves. <laughs> Uh, right now, and they're veterans, so 93% of our population doesn't serve, which is a good problem to have. Like, we're not an armed society, right? I love this. What I found, though, when I was in government, I was an Army Green Beret for years, then I was in government in the Pentagon, I found there's a, seems to be there's a misunderstanding between those that serve and those they serve on both sides. So I try to, like, in an engaging kind of fashion, not one of these, you know, those boring DC memoirs that are like this big, like doorstops, and you just name check yourself, and you're like, I'm not reading this. I wanted to keep this entertaining and engaging. Uh, so that's kind of the theme of the book, but it's about accountability because I'm st I'm still just angry that we can lose a war and nobody's held accountable. People get promoted and they move up in the in the ranks or they get these big jobs. So I'm kind of still a little still a little bit angry about that. And then finally, yeah, I think you know. We're spending way too much money on defense, and I think a lot of that, some of that can be uh, spent much better. Not some of it. A lot of it can be oh, yeah. but spent much better. Well, well let's, uh, uh, let's, let's, let's get into it in the show. Let's, there's lots oh, of yeah. Fun. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to. I, I talked to. Sorry. No, we'll no. I talked too it. long. You, you did what I asked. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, and also, I want to introduce Kellen. Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's Kellen. Um, uh, Serge is doing the... Culture War with Tim Pool. He's producing that show on Friday mornings, so he's not here on Friday nights. I'll be uh, filling in for now, and then, but yeah, go and check I mean, out the Culture War. With I Tim wanted Poole. to make him work twenty four hours straight with no sleep, but they told me that was illegal. So <laughs> I guess Kellen's here. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the first story, and we have this tweet from Roz Alerts. Roz Alerts. What does that mean? I don't know. Either way, breaking multiple reports of an unknown white dust. Particles falling out of the sky in West Virginia and Maryland. Currently, multiple, multiple people across West Virginia into Maryland area are reporting an unknown white dust film descending from the sky. Some local fire departments are advising people to shut their doors and windows and avoid outdoors until it can be identified. Well, let's play the video. There you go. Look at this. It could just be a dust storm. That's what some people are saying. But uh, yeah, look at that. I don't know about that. Maybe. It is weird. So, look at that. That's creepy. Isn't, so it's, you, your isn't cars... Cocaine Bear coming out this weekend? Is <laughs> this some weird... Today. Is this some weird... That's like, what people are saying. Today. Oh, are are they? Cocaine, I thought that was original. They, they blanket the eastern seaboard in white dust to promote their movie. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. No. Now, Raw's Alert says, we think this is from yesterday's dust storm that was in parts of New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, as weather satellite shows large plumes of dust blowing across the states and making its way to the east coast. Maybe... But I just want to point out, we have this from the West Virginia, this is the, what is this, uh, DEPW.gov, the Department of, what is that, the Environment or something? Uh, environmental, environmental Protection. 
coordinating with state and local agencies to investigate dust issue in the eastern panhandle. They received reports late Thursday night about the dust and mobilized inspectors. No shelter in place advisories have been issued in the area. They say that we have staff on site who are coordinating with our state and local partners to identify the material or any potential causes. Samples will be taken. They don't know exactly what it is. So a heck of a convenient time for a dust storm to hit when last week we're like, hey, we're really worried being downwind from East Palestine when they're burning all these chemicals. There's videos coming out of Ohio showing cars blanketed with some kind of white residue. And now we're hearing in the area downwind from East Palestine, cars are being blanketed in white residue. So it's just bad timing. Is it, is it bad timing or uh, what do you guys think? Well, I mentioned, uh, I think a few days ago about the half-life of some of the chemicals that are involved in the process Um Vinyl chloride being one of them, 2.3 day half-life. Doesn't mean that they disappear, that half of it disappears every 2.3 days. It just turns into something else. So it could have turned into, there could be other stuff up there. I don't like the hypochondriac lifestyle of like, please be afraid and avoid what we might be a problem. Like I, There are scales, my friend. There are scales. You can choose to be a paranoid hypochondriac or you can choose to plug your ears and act like nothing's happening. Exactly. Trying to find that balance is the difficult thing. That's why I say, look, they think it may be from a dust storm. We don't know. And it's heck of, bad, heck of a bad timing for, for a dust storm to happen when we're concerned about these chemicals. I, would, I imagine that it might have something to do with the weather. And the only reason that I feel that way honestly, is because yesterday was almost 80 degrees. It was super windy. So the weather's been a little wacky around here. So I think that that might have something to do with it. I really don't think that I, that's what I is that would normal? put in my mind. It was 80 it's, yesterday? It, yeah, was it was 70. 78 or and something. And it's going down to 30 tonight. Yeah. So the weather's been kind of wacky. There was a lot of wind today. So I think that that's probably... Like, I'm not trying to, you know, be the the wet blanket, but I really think that it's most likely something benign. I don't think I've ever seen a dust storm before. I've never been in a... The a, Dust Bowl, the first part of the, the 20th century, there was dust from Iowa making its way all the way to D.C. Oh, okay. No kidding. So this, is, this is heard of. This yeah, go, Google the Dust Bowl. The historic average for this month in the Harpers Ferry area is 39 degrees. It was so nice. And it was double that. Yeah. It was, so. it was double the average, so... What's the, I don't know if they have the record list down here. I, yeah. I'm looking at like weather, weather.com or something. I know it's the boring answer, but I, I do think that it, it's because it was the crazy weather. I, the I'm record s- is 73. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We must have broke that because I think it was yeah, 70. Yeah, we definitely did. I think we must have broken the record. Huh. The Dust Bowl is interesting. I'm reading about it now during the 1930s. Uh, just a, a period of severe dust storms. Mm-hmm. That's how the desert in Maine was formed, uh, similar to why the dust ball, uh, dust bowl was a problem. Just over farming. Yeah. Or, you no know, crop rotation. Uh-huh. They weren't maintaining topsoil and stuff like so that. So even if it is a dust storm of dust blowing from the south, doesn't mean that it can't pick up vinyl chloride residue and particles in the atmosphere Fair on the enough. way. Fair enough. That's true. And things like Do you guys that. hear about like, there's a bunch of factories on fire or something like that? I see there these, was. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm just seeing videos of uh, factories blowing up. I saw someone talking today. I think it was someone from um, from the Blaze was talking about three fires in oil 
uh, for of a, the yeah. same oil company, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the name of the company. I didn't bookmark the. And there's the tweet. tweets right now. I'm seeing Pimax. a tweet about uh, uranium fire. No. In Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Ooh. See, it's hard. It's 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 hard yep. to know. You been? Three fires broke out at three different fac- facilities in where? Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah. I typed in Ukrainian fire, Tennessee, and uh, yep, Ukrainian. It's two days ago. Uranium. 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 Sorry. You got Ukraine on the brain. Everybody does, man. Oh man. I mean, yeah. Joe Biden's giving them more priority than us. Yeah, it was two days ago. There was a uh, no injuries or release of radioactivity after uranium fire at Y12 in Oak Ridge. That's so you, no joke. So Oak Ridge is where yeah. you know the first atomic weapons were uh, built. Got to go there when I was acting Secretary of Defense. It was like bucket list thing. The people down there, like the the scientists and the engineers, but that's no joke if they had a fire down there. Wow. Why haven't Why haven't we heard more about that? Look, man, I've been I've been uh, maybe it's a little too paranoid for Ian, but. If a cyber attack was hitting our infrastructure, we and the, we and the public would not know about it. The government's not going to come out and be like, oh, you know that explosion that happened at that oil refinery? Yeah, we were attacked by China. They're going to ignore it. They're, 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 unless they need to rally support. At the time they decide to get involved in the conflict, then they'll come out and be like, yeah, we're being attacked. And then it could actually be a, 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 a disaster unrelated to war, and they'll just say it is war. You know what I mean? If they could keep the cat in the bag, you know, nowadays with independent media and everything, somebody gets a quick little clip on that of that on their iPhone, shoots it up to Twitter, shoots it up to TikTok or something, it goes viral. Um, yeah, the, people's like access to th- phones. Do you and think everything. it could break through? Because that's my thing. Is like it's so hard, and you guys do this every day to break through the kind of the chaos of the media environment. You think you could break through with a video of something from uh, K-12 or Y-12 at Oak Ridge? So yes. if I was able to post it on Timcast News uh, on Twitter, Tim, then well, definitely. But maybe you could tell us a little bit more about, like, I don't know, our, our the nation's ability to, like, censor us online. Because if something like that did happen, I'd imagine that, you know, they try to suspend free speech or try to keep it on wraps, not let reporters report on whatever attack was going on, if they were trying to keep it, you know, still a secret. I'm with you. Send it to Timcast. Charlie you. Charlie P says the ash is happening here in PA. It is not weather. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I they're burning stuff. I wouldn't be surprised if what they're burning is making its way down here. But anyway, not to not to derail what we were just talking about. I think. Oh, did you really I, say derail? <laughs> it's been <laughs> an ongoing did you, theme. Did you see that? Did you see Buttigieg? Was that, was that insensitive? He, no. Did you see that clip from where uh, Pete Buttigieg like had kind of got a brain cramp? He said. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to derail. He said something. <laughs> oh, Did you see yeah. that one? There was no. a train. He used yeah. a train oh. analogy. Oh, it was so like <laughs> you know, you know, when you're in the zone, you you know. And I felt bad derail. for the guy, but I was like, ooh, dog on that. That's not. He's a good so look. bad at this. They're all bad at it. It's like they they shouldn't be in these positions, but you know, here we are. It's like the, that. You have that meme where it's like wondering how something got there. And there's like a car on top of a gate, and then there's like a an, a dog on a roof. And then you've got like Kamala Harris at the at the podium or whatever, and now yeah. you got Pete Buttigieg in East Palestine. <laughs> I don't know. There are ashes here. There are ashes in Pennsylvania. There's even ashes in East Palestine, or maybe that's just Pete Buttigieg's presidential ambitions going oh, up in flames. Look at this guy. You guys like that one? You guys like that one? Ooh, that was a good was a pun. I was going to oh, go with Ash Wednesday too, but that would be a bad, <laughs> really bad pun. I think I, I I would say that would be too mean, but Matt Walsh has convinced me otherwise. So you know, <laughs> yeah, you bravo. decided you you decided you could be mean now. I mean, only for goodness. Well, so the issue is, you know, talking about this Matt Walsh thing. I'm, I'm not saying to, you know, scream at somebody and, and insult them. You know, I'm saying be meaner. You can't just be passive and say, slow down there, Democrats. You've got to actually be like, no, stop. 
and we should shame people doing bad things. Like degenerate behavior that harms children should be shamed and ostracized and shunned from society. I like the word mean in mathematics. The mean is the average. So you're really bringing things back to center when you're being mean. And a lot of times that can be like, no, well, reality is this. Phil's face right now is hilarious. He's just like, has his look like, Ian, you're insane. In that sense, be mean if you're going to bring, if you're going to ground people in reality. But if you're attempting to make their life worse with your behavior, then that, I think, I, don't, I, I have no. I, Ian, no you can't go and just say, let's change what the word no, means. No, 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 stop, stop, Phil. I, I, I felt the pull you felt right, you feel right now, but. I, I got to go with Ian on this one because he's basically giving a golden ticket for everybody to be mean to That's, bad people. I am mean in life. So I will tell you directly to your face what I think. What he's saying is if there's someone who's a really bad person who's harming kids and you are mean to them, you're actually pulling them back down to the average by doing so. And I'll take it. Look, Wood so chipper goes burr when it comes to pedos. But like when it comes to like actually being like changing the meaning of words. Now, there that, you are with that meaning, mean. What does that mean? I think Ian has, you have an issue with like making puns out of political arguments. Well, I think about like, be, I've always thought <laughs> about being mean. I, I think after that one. Being mean <laughs> isn't being nasty. That's why they're different words. It's uh, not being it, cruel because that's why they're different words. Like I'm, mean, meanness has a, has I'm a sitting, purpose. I'm sitting here, you know, being like, all these people are talking to Matt Walsh saying you shouldn't be mean to people and blah, blah, blah. And Matt's like, no, there's no limits. Like, we can't let these people do these bad things. And yeah. he's giving you a straight justification for his action. And then Ian gives this circuitous <laughs> semantic definition of, well, actually mean just reply, uh, signifies the average, in which case when you're mean to someone – you're just making them average. And it's like, okay, yeah, like however, if, you wanted to, however, however you want to justify. Literally causing me physical pain with if, that. If however you want to justify calling someone a creepy degenerate, I will accept. Well, not that. I wouldn't yes, insult. be. The, so, what, what, what Matt Walsh is talking about is, is like, be as cruel as you can. Like, he, he intends uh, to be cruel. I don't, I don't think Matt Walsh was saying be as cruel as possible. Well, okay, I think maybe was, not as possible, okay. I, he was just saying be mean to these people. The, like, these people... I talked about this with Ali earlier. Talked about it last night. You've got people who are doing bad things that hurt people. Yes. And they either experience positive reaction or neutral reaction. If there is no negative response to their actions, they'll just keep doing it because the investment is clearly in one direction. Yeah. It's positive like reinforcement. A, a kid that wants to eat amount sugar and you're like, no, you can't have that. Now, you're being mean. Why are you being mean? I want it. And you're like, you're not going to have it. Sorry. That's a good example. And so that's me being mean. But if I'm if I'm actually want to hurt that kid and make that kid's life worse, I'm not that's not the reason to be mean to him. If not you want to make that kid's life worse, you give him more sugar. Exactly. It's like or a kid, call him an idiot. You know, I could I could I no, could insult no, 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 him no, no, too. You no, know, you stupid moron. You don't I'm not trying to hurt the kid. I'm trying to protect him by being mean. It depends. If you I think this is another good analogy for what's happening in the culture war, what's happening with society is you've got people who are gluttonous on social media in a social sense, in that they will do weird things, get a positive response, and then say, I will keep doing this because no one is giving them a negative response. You need to tell people who are doing bad things what you're doing is bad. Mm. And you can do it in a bunch of different ways. You know, calling someone creepy and degenerate is not the worst possible thing in the world for a person, and it may make them rethink targeting children and causing harm to other people. And then sometimes um, the ends justify the means. And um, in the case of Matt Walsh, it goes bigger than just that video he released because in Tennessee, he also held a ban on trans rallies or I I'm getting that butchered, but 
butchered, but he in Tennessee, they actually also managed to pass something in their state legislature banning gender transition for people, I think, um, around 14 or 15. You'd need to fact check me on that. But, you know, he's actually accomplishing things. And uh, I think it's like called culture jamming. So yeah. Matt Walsh is doing a good job drawing attention to this, even if he's, he is being a little bit mean, you know, he's actually getting things done in Tennessee. When he's I think he's about, literally the one to talk. Think about using anger and like just the whole he wasn't society. Well, I'm thinking about using it and like, like Jimmy Dore is like, you got to get mad. You got to get out on the street and block traffic. You need to be the disruption and like feel like in the seventies when they were protesting the Vietnam war, they were angry. They were pissed because kids, their friends were getting drafted and blown apart. And they were like fear of being sucked into this stupid war. Um, so I understand that maybe getting angry, there is some value to it. I just, I see it get out of control really quick. A lot of times, especially mm-hmm. in conversation. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Chris? I mean, you, you've been doing this a long time. I love the I love the conversation yesterday on that. And I guess I think we do need to get, it's about accountability. I think in a lot of ways is what you're talking about is by being mean, you're driving accountability into the system. No. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 Call it accountability, call it whatever you want. The, the math is simple. If someone goes on Instagram and throws a pie at a stranger and Instagram gives him money and all the users say, hey, that was really funny. You're amazing. He's going to go, wow, people really like when I do this. They're going to keep doing it. We saw this with prank videos on YouTube. There were videos that were getting increasingly dangerous and right. insane. It starts with one guy being, I'm going to do a prank. And he goes, bah. You know, he, he like jumps out from behind a building. Whoa. And then they're like, oh, you scared me, you silly goose. And then he gets a million views. Three months later, the dude's wearing a Freddy Krueger mask and drawing a knife and swinging it at people. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you actually had a trend on YouTube where people would walk into black neighborhoods and throw racial slurs at black people because it got traffic on YouTube. There, there was no negative reaction to the things they were doing. Finally, YouTube was like, we're going to start banning content that does this and apply a negative pressure. That's I don't necessarily agree. I, I actually kind of agree to a certain extent with this. If people were doing things that were like expressing an opinion or being silenced for it, it's one thing. If you're literally trying to cause fights, and that's what they were doing, they, were, they would walk up to a, 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 some minority, say a slur to them, and then get beaten up. And they were ma- they were getting millions of views on this stuff. It's like bum fights. It's like I got my limits on on you know what should be promoted and 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 be given a positive uh, response to. What ends up happening is. There needs to be, it used to be journalists, they'd be like, hey, this is a bad thing and we're going to show you. And then everyone would, would be like, shun the bad person, shun them. Now we're in this, this era of total acceptance. So people go on Instagram, people go on Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and they'll do something genuinely bad and harmful. But now they're getting protected by big tech. They're going on and telling children to harm themselves and they're getting protected. And then Matt Walsh comes out and says, you are eerie, you are creepy, you, you are, no one will find you attractive. And he, he didn't say it, he didn't say it screaming, he wasn't spitting. He's very calmly saying, this is the reality, this is the truth. You need to have that so that the people who are doing the bad thing say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do this. And I'll give you an example. He was talking about Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney has videos where he's giving tampons, he's talking about taking tampons and using them and other things like this. Dylan Mulvaney did not care that people on the right were critical of it. It was only when leftists got critical and said, what you are doing is creepy, did Dylan Mulvaney come out and be like, I'm sorry, I was just trying up. The negative reaction worked in stopping a person from doing a bad thing that hurt people. So you don't need to go and do anything crazy. You just need to say outright, like, I don't like you. I think you're bad. I think you're unattractive. I think 
you're an evil person. Tell them why they're bad. Don't let them just don't tolerate bad behavior that's hurting people. Absolutely. And I wanted to clarify on the bill in Tennessee that Matt Walsh helped uh, drum up support for. It says Tennessee House Republicans on Thursday overwhelmingly passed a ban on gender transition health care for minors. Um, The bill prohibits children from receiving puberty blockers, hormone therapies or surgical procedures. People who receive the treatments as minors would also be able to sue parents, guardians and physicians for authorizing the care under a statute of limitations. Wow. So you think Daily Wire being in Tennessee has anything to do with that? Well, he had a, Matt Walsh had a rally there um, that helped drum up a lot of support for this. And he lobbied for this as well. And definitely, I think it has something yeah, to do absolutely. with it. I mean, what is a woman as a documentary was tremendous. It, it pushed the, the story into the mainstream. It was all like everybody had talked about it, was watching it. Joe Rogan comes out and he's like, you see this thing? This is crazy. A lot of people did not know what they're doing and they're still doing and they're they're expanding on. You know, so, one of the know, weirdest things about protecting, like not letting people do harm to children, and they're like, you can't put kids on puberty blockers when they're 11 because that's going to hurt them in the long run. You can't cut pe- children's penises off because that's going to hurt them in the long run. But then uh, I've heard from other people are like, if they don't get the chemical castration they need, then you're they're going to kill themselves and you're doing harm to them. If, if they don't get their penis cut off, then then you're doing harm to them because they, they, they don't feel right. That's a and lie. And it's like, how yeah. is that? How do those two lie. realities? It's not because there's it's evil a lie. yeah and it's a good. lie like it's it's a definitely a warped it's a warped way of looking i think it's a warped way because it didn't use people i'd never heard people talk like that before so it yeah, seems it's like cult, it's some sort of it's it's like donald trump gets on the phone with the president of ukraine and he's like what's this video that's going around where biden's trying to withhold money or something can you look into that and then the establishment machine comes out and says donald trump engaged in a quid pro quo and so that now he's going to be impeached. And it's like it was it was Joe Biden who did that, not Donald Trump. They project what like they accuse everyone of, of doing what they are literally doing. That's it. So when they're when they're targeting children and putting them in situations that could result in death and suicide and self-harm, they accuse everyone else of doing it. But you take a look at what's going on with detransitioners and there's more and more every single day. We I was talking with Ali London about how on Reddit there's 50,000 members of the detransition subreddit horror stories of saying like i was tricked into this i was rushed into this i think chloe cole is now suing kaiser permanente yeah so when these people come out and say no we have to otherwise the children will be harmed it's like i'm pretty sure amputating the genitals of a child will not save their life but probably cause them to self-harm in the future that's just common sense chris i know we're seeing a lot of this um transgenderism and LGBTQ ideology infiltrate a lot of different parts of our government and society. I know you were a former Secretary of Defense. Can you tell me? And you also served in Afghanistan. Did you see any of that in the Army? And what are what have been the current policies towards it? Do you think they should be different? Specifically, General Milley. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. (laughs) (laughs) You set me up for that. No! No, (laughs) I didn't. Hey, you know, I did... I did, oh gosh, 30-something years in, in the military. And this, this might sound cliche, but it's, it's not. It's true. 
I never met a single person that joined the military to fight the culture wars, right? The military is the ultimate meritocracy. Work hard, you'll get promoted, you'll have opportunities. And so people join to prepare to fight real wars. So I have great hope, and I know you guys get a little down once in a while, like, you know, this is ancient Rome or something. But I'll tell you what, those sergeants, the ones that are responsible for like four soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, space force, guardians, they, they're focused on making sure their people are ready to go to war. And I, ha- I went down to a special forces group recently because I thought maybe I'm, out of, maybe I'm out of sorts. You know, I'm old now. I've been out of the military for a few years. I went down there just to get kind of do a temperature check, check on the sergeants that run the army. And I'm like, okay, they still got the right focus. The problem, I think, is that they're confused because their leadership is getting involved in the culture wars. And they're like, if I get involved in the culture wars, I get fired. And what, you know, so I think there's a confusion. There's a loss of confidence between those that are down there doing the everyday work, leading soldiers, and their bosses who are saying, there's that saying, uh, do as I say, not as I do. That doesn't work in the military. You got to be, you got to be coherent across. So, uh, I'm worried, yes, but I'm also enormously, enormously confident in you know our young leaders. These kids are 21, 22 years old, and they're responsible for four or five other people's lives. They take that pretty seriously. So uh, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about the fact that, dog, like, yeah, senior leadership's getting involved in things that they shouldn't get involved yeah. in. They need, they need to focus on war fighting not, and combat effectiveness. I was thinking, like, if something were to happen tragic and the United States was sucked into a war for real, like the balloon floated over the United States for five days or whatever, like, w- that I would hope the military is ready to step in and take control if Biden can't do his job, which he seems like he's not able to do his job. I don't want to not have faith in the guy, no. but I don't have faith in him. You and don't want the military to take over. I want... If if uh, I want if there's a commander that is incapable of commanding, he needs to be relieved of duty. That's what we have the vice president and the speaker of the house for. There is a there is a line of people that assume a okay, line of not, civilians that assume in, office. If the president can't do his job, you do not want the military to assume power. If when you can have when we have the the whole constitution has got like all this stuff handled. I don't like, care about the Constitution in reality if we were under threat of death. I don't want Joe Biden in control of the military or Kamala Harris. Chris, so I know that trans soldiers, um, they could currently openly Wait. serve right now in the Army, and the, the force <laughs> will provide hormone therapy and mental health care. Do you think that's in within the purview of what they should be happening in the Army? Hey, Ameri- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Uh I'll tap dance on that one a little bit. First off, Phil, preach it. It's all about civilian control. Yes. And the last thing we ever yeah, want. Thank you. The last I'm thing we I, ever I think want is a military officer to think. And that that's part of my book is that I'm concerned that the military, the off, senior officers are getting too big headed about this and thinking like, yeah, if there's a problem, we'll step in. Because there were rumors about that, remember, with President Trump, that the senior military leadership was like, we think this guy's crazy. The third, on January 6th, the third in line to the office of the president asked the uh, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staffs, hey, can we just have the military removed? Like, so can we get Nancy, crew served machine guns? Nancy Pelosi requested a military crew, a military coup on January 6th. Like, that actually happened. She went to Millie and asked him, and then... Yep. It blows my mind she, that she, she called and said, can they intervene and yeah. stop Trump? I was should there. Trump, 
try to engage in any kind of military activity. He said, ma'am, that would be a coup against a sitting president. She tried. Yeah. I get the, Wait, the what, what civilian leadership. That? I mean, you like, know. Like, obviously, we need civilian leadership because of, you don't want a June to taking control like a military government. But if you have incompetent leadership, do we just wait and hope that the next civilian is going to do it right? Like, do we just sit and wait? What, what, what guarantee, what, what makes you think that just because the person that would assume control from the military is, is somehow not, uh, is somehow competent? Just because they're in the military? I don't know. I just know that Joe Biden's not. In yes, my opinion. Fair, but that doesn't mean like that doesn't mean you throw the constitution away or you throw the or just go ahead and throw all the laws away. Well, Joe Biden, you know, he's got tapioca for brain, so we gotta go ahead and get a a, a general to kick to run the show. Uh-uh. That is a terrible, terrible idea. I feel what you're saying concerned about Joe Biden. I get it. Cause I feel it too. Joe Biden, I I genuinely believe he's got cognitive problems but but just because of that is not or that is not a justification to have him removed from office with guns like that is that is third world country that is banana republic stuff that is like going to war kind of stuff you that is not what we need not well, that, it is like going to war kind of stuff like i'm saying if we are declared war upon and we have now we're in it. There are Chinese troops in Alaska moving down. Like, oh, do we just wait for Biden to wake up? Do we wait for Kamala Harris to take control? Like, what do we do? Let's ask the expert who is currently sitting across from from us. What do you do in the event? Uh, let's say the U.S. gets invaded. Let's say, how about let's let's make let's 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 wheel, wheel things back. Chinese spy balloon comes over the U.S. Potentially tracking data on our nuclear sites. Potentially tracking data on the the sensors that uh, it's picking up. What's coming at it? So. The things that we're using to detect it, it is actually detecting. Let's say that's a precursor to a move on Taiwan. Let's say before the move on Taiwan, we've already seen China go into territorial waters around Alaska and Hawaii. Let's say they start positioning the military, strike on Taiwan, and then instantly we get a a, a battalion of Chinese troops para-dropping or crashing on the shores of Alaska or something. Do we just sit here and go, Biden's got it handled? I'm, you're flash. I'm flashing back to Red Dawn. Come on, <laughs> it's been remade, right? But what, I, I didn't but see the second one. In, so, the, in the event a true conflict reaches the shores of the United States, do we just sit back and say Biden is our president and we're gonna? He's got it. I still have faith the system will work in regards to like that's not something you can ignore, right? So, and this is kind of comes back a little bit, like so you've got. Uh, Secretary Austin, he's the Secretary of Defense. You have Mark Milley, you can say what you want. General Milley is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. They will go to the president and say, this is what has to be done. You know, they're, now, the question is, what's their guidance going to be? But at the end of the day, you know, that's like an act of war. So we are going to, we're going to go to war over that. If we've got, now you could, art, let's talk about that spy balloon. Was that an act of war that it violated our airspace? Well, we let it, right? We go on all day about that. Uh, so the go ahead. I, I think the issue is Millie and uh, whoever else they're going to go to Biden and go, Mr. President, we have currently an incursion into U.S. soil in Alaska by a Chinese unit. Mm-hmm. We need to act now. And Biden's going to be like, so deploy the troops to, to Libya. And he's going to be like, sir, you heard me. Get it done. And OK. Do they say, no, I won't follow that order. You meant to say Alaska. That's exactly the my concern is 
your last resort when you're in those positions, if your boss, if in this case the president says something wacky, is you resign and you go public. And we don't do that anymore, right? Yeah. We, so that's the concern is everybody's in lockstep right now because they want to get promoted or they whatever. And that's that's exactly the issue that concerns me is who's who's quit. Let's 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 talk about the spy balloon. Who who quit? Who offered their resignation over that? That was a gross failure, right? That was a gross failure. Shouldn't somebody have been fired? They won't even admit that it was a gross failure. But but shouldn't in the military someone should have come forward and said I was responsible for the the defense of our airspace. It was violated. I failed. I am quitting. I'm resigning because I failed to do my job. Nobody's come forward to do that. So that's that's my concern is we don't have that ethos now. That that's essential to the officer corps. That's that's why I brought this whole conversation up cuz like where's the leadership? But I can see like the end of the Roman Republic, Julius Caesar came with the military and took control of the military dictatorship empire. I don't want that. But that's what where my mind is focused with a lack of leadership with like you know, what the hell's been happening last month? But where I, was I, Biden I, on East Ohio like I want to I want to say this. I'm wondering we talk about morals and ethics and uh, often it's not black and white. There is there's a gradient. To what degree do we accept censorship or oppose free speech? Uh, even people who say they claim to be free speech absolutists, I'm like, you got a limit. If somebody is posting videos of child exploitation, you're probably going to come out and be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's that's not speech. That's illegal. And it's like, well, it's not. And and that means you don't agree. You don't believe that anyone can just say or produce anything they want. There are certain things that are illegal. And then even insofar as what if you're not a producer of it, you're sharing it for some reason to express an idea. No, still no. You can't do that stuff. So we accept that there are limits in this regard. I wonder about, I, I kind of lost my train of thought. What were we just talking about? We were talking about basically when is it appropriate to resign, the ethics of you know, a leadership and whose accountability I thought was kind of where we were going with this. I'm with, I got you about Caesar. That, that was my biggest concern. Right. J- January 6th, there was this narrative. I, I got it back, I got it back. Okay, I got, you it, got back. it back, go. Yeah, so my, my, my issue is basically, we obviously don't like, say, like Cambodia, the Khmer Rouge, the Killing Fields, whatever. We see what happens when brutal, merciless dictatorships take over the Soviet Union. But I wonder if the reason there's such a negative view of things like the Roman Empire is because the people who were in those countries who wrote down the stories of what happened were the fat, gluttonous degenerates who were shocked to find that a country was actually trying to have some morals again. What I mean to say is it's not black and white. There's certainly circumstances where we're like, okay, we got a problem with this dictatorship. And I'm sure there are circumstances where you get a more classically liberal but community-based stern attitude of service guarantees citizenship. That is to say, a government that doesn't come to you and lock you in a gulag and mercilessly beat you, a government that comes and says, I'm sorry, we're not going to pay your health care because you're a glutton and you're eating too much food, you need to stop. Well, the gluttons, the degenerates are going to freak out. They're going to write every story in the world about how the fascists are taking over and we're watching this happen. So if I saw something that was like service guarantee citizenship, if you want to vote, you have to provide some kind of community service, not military. Maybe it's picking up trash. The left is going to scream fascism, fascism. And I'm kind of like, doesn't that just mean personal responsibility? No one's telling you you're going to prison. No one's going to beat you. You can still speak. You still play video games. You can still eat all the ho-hos and ding-dongs in the world. But we're saying you've got to be responsible to the community around you. They would call that fascism. So in the event, we did have a quote-unquote military takeover. But I'm, sp- I'm saying that, you know, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. I mean, quite literally, if they came out and said, hey, 
there's a minimum standard and it's going to be this, but you'll be able to live your lives as you see fit. The people who are going to write the history books are going to claim a military dictatorship destroyed freedom in this country, when in reality, it might actually just be something like, hey, we're about to collapse. The country is going to fall apart. The economy is spiraling out of control. There's riots in the street. I'll give you a better example. If Donald Trump deployed the military, invoking the Insurrection Act during the Summer of Love, saving 30 plus lives, they would write down in the history books a military dictator Donald Trump suppressed free speech. So I, I question these narratives throughout history. Some of them are probably bad. Some of them might not been might not have been as uh, as bad. The most recent, um, at least supposed coup that almost tried to happen in our country was supposed to be January 6th. Um, Chris, you were um, acting Secretary of Defense at this time, sixth in line for the presidency. So if some coup oh, happened, I, I think it's sixth in line. Wow. Can somebody fact check me on? I believe it's sixth no, that, in line. No, that's, I didn't. That's um, good. Could you tell me a little bit more about not your role in January 6th, but our reaction to it, as I understand, with the National <laughs> careful Guard? You, careful with your phrasing there. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then also we were talking about people resigning. There were a lot of people who resigned from the Trump administration following this. Yeah, sunshine, sunshine, sunshine soldiers. Fair, you know. Uh, you brought up if we would have sent uh, soldiers up on Capitol Hill on January sixth, the morning of. Jan so let's go back. I hate to do this. Let's go back. I'm going to be pedantic and talk about our high school civics class. Capitol Hill Legislative Branch military executive branch capitol hill you don't go up there if you're the executive branch the military unless you're invited to do something different is called a military coup so i was not going to be party to that obviously because that's un-american in violation of my oath of office to the constitution so this narrative that we should have moved faster or had been up there beforehand would have been could you imagine what what would have happened if we would have pushed if I would have pushed National Guard troops up on Capitol Hill before the uh, riots started? Wow, it would have been a mess. I know the only person who got killed was Ashley Babbitt by Capitol Police Officer Michael Byrd. That was the only shot fired. Do you think that was a justifiable shot given the situation? Well, you know the protective service detail. I, I don't. It, it appears to me that when she came through the window, that she that she crashed in on the security bubble, and they and and uh, they shot her. That was the moment when I realized we had been promised that the police in Washington D.C. and on Capitol Hill could handle up to a million protesters that day, and you don't use your military for domestic law enforcement. Cop, that's what we have cops for. You don't use military you don't use soldiers to do domestic law enforcement until civil society is broken down like a natural disaster in new orleans everything's gone to you know what that's when you go in there that's when the military serves and does uh law enforcement duties until that happens keep the military out the military we, you talked about vietnam military really violated tons of American civil liberties by spying on Americans. These are the things that are They're going still doing it. Yeah. My last follow-up was going to be um, many people in the Trump administration decided to resign as a result of January 6th and the events um, following it. You chose not to. Can you tell me a little bit more about that decision? Yeah, because I wanted to get more facts. So, you know, I had been in combat a, a day or two. I'd been a leader in the military, commander in the military, and you don't you, you got to be stable. You got to be steady, right? That's what good leaders do. I saw a lot of those 
political figures that bailed that day doing it for political reasons. I was like, we need to find out what happened. We're still finding out what happened that day. So, you know, here's the one that always bugs me when these big wigs talk about, well, you know, I it would have been the reason I stayed is because I had to protect something. I, if it wasn't for me, you know, I had to protect our soldiers. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's my job. I'm going to, I got six weeks left or whatever it was, four weeks left. And you know, what was that? Was it Thomas Paine, Sunshine Soldiers? What's that? Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, you get paid for the good times and the bad. And you really get paid for the tough times. That's what the American people pay you for, right? That's you never thought it was a coup or anything? Dude, Just I was like, running the military. There was no coup. <laughs> to make it clear, Mill, Millie was how... right about that. Millie's like, you know, the only way there has to come through us. There was going to be no military coup. I mean, dude, I, I spent my life in service to this country, and I swore to def protect and defend the Constitution. There's no way that I was going to allow, back to your point about resigning. If it came down to that, and the president was not about, he wasn't going there. If it would have gone there, I would have resigned and gone right outside and gotten on TV and said, I resigned in protest because I was asked to do something uh, anti-constitutional, period. End of story. Bye. Have that's, a nice day. You, that's if he asked for you to bring troops out? If, if he, no, if he, want, if he was going to use them inappropriately or anti-constitutionally. What about the, uh, oh, I forgot the date. Was it May 29th? When was the, what was the insurrection? Yeah, yeah May 29th. May 29th. What about that? Um, you had these these uh, far leftists setting fire to the to St. John's Church. They set fire to a, a guard post at the White House. They tore down barricades, and the response was police. You know, police came out, did their their normal thing. I suppose that's probably the appropriate response. Um, there were National Guard there. That was one yeah. of the, remember. Oh, okay. You don't recall the uh, the National Guard flew helicopters down the middle of the streets uh, that oh, evening. Wow. Oh gosh, yeah, there was uh, there, a lot went on. That's not appropriate use of, of uh, the. The military. You don't think so? It, no, that's what you have local law enforcement for. That. Well, what, what, what about when they're not doing their jobs? I mean, in Seattle and Portland, we saw what was it, hundred and twenty some odd days of them. Even New fire, York, they were firebombing overwhelmed federal buildings for a hundred days. Far left extremists were throwing firebombs, oh, explosives. Like at that point, shouldn't the federal government act to defend its territory, or like its building, and like the people who live and work in the area? Federal government did they that. Put in huge, they didn't. They put in huge numbers of federal law enforcement to protect federal property. The issue was the mayor was on the leftist side of the spectrum and was allowing that to happen. It was a, a debacle. And you've been out to Portland lately? Oh, my gosh. But, where, but all that really happened was federal law enforcement stood inside the building, and then the leftists continued to firebomb it for 100-plus days until they got bored with it and stopped. The, the, the feds did not actually come out. Feds were all over that town. Don't you remember the crisis that happened when... Uh, but how did, how did it go on for 120 days? Like, why, why did it not stop? I, I believe in local government. I don't believe the federals, federal law enforcement should come in without... Uh, absolutely can protect federal property, but the, but gov the governor has his National Guard, his or her... They had plenty of access to uh, security forces and law enforcement and National Guard without calling in the federal troops. If, if, if the in. federal government can't stop people for three or four months from throwing firebombs at its building, then they should probably just leave. They shouldn't be there because they're completely impotent. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I, I like. I know they were there. They did the joint unit. They had DHS. They had ICE. They had a bunch of a CBP or whatever were even coming. And they could do nothing to stop far left, far left extremists occupying the city and firebombing their building. That was it. Go so it's it was like, basically, you can't, you can't it, do it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be there. It was like they sent troops into a siege and then they just had to sit there and be sieged for a hundred What was the days. point? It's better than having no troops in the siege. I mean, I get it, but. I think if someone commits a crime against the federal government, the federal government has a right to arrest criminals. But hey, look, man, I guess I can just I'll side with my libertarian friends on this one and be like the end result of this. In my mind, the logical conclusion is it's a waste of taxpayer dollars to have federal law enforcement be paid to stand around for four months while people firebomb a building and they can't do anything about it. So how about we just save ourselves the money? Let the far left keep running amok and doing whatever they want, because clearly we're not stopping it. If Portland and Seattle want that behavior, then far be it. You're right. Federal government, don't be there. Shut the building down. Leave. What's the what's the point of having a courthouse for the federal government if they're not going to arrest and convict these people anyway? <laughs> Waste of time. Case study of what we're seeing. Now, the interesting thing in Portland, I was out there a couple months ago, is local business is now in rebellion. It comes back to economics, Right. Why and wouldn't they? They be? are clean in that town. They're, there's been a sea change out there with their attitude, but it was a case study of things just going out of control. I'm with you. Yeah. What happens if a governor requests federal uh, troops? Do they then owe the federal government something? Is it like, we'll pay you back later kind of thing? Or is it just they come and they serve for free, no questions asked? There are loopholes, technically speaking. There's some law that you have to pay, you know, some. But usually it all gets waived. So if the governor would have asked for federal troops, well, first off, we would have said, have you expended all your you know, 5,000 members of your National Guard that work for you? It's like, I have, and I still have not gained control of city XYZ. And then, yeah, federal troops would have been brought in with support. When um, the George Floyd riots happened, I think it was day two, I walked into the living room where Tim was. I was like, why have we not sent in the National Guard? What's happening? Why fires? Why? Uh, same thing. Like it, the feds did not want to get involved because it was a state. National Guard did go in. The federal National Guard did go in? No, uh, D.C. National Guard. Okay. But, but the summer of love was all over the country. Yeah. You, we, you, saw, we saw rioting in towns people have never heard of. For somehow, and there, there's crazy videos. There's videos of like anti far leftists walking through some kind of like suburban neighborhood, and a bunch of young men who live in the areas came out and then countered them and chased them off. But we had we we had this report from Michael Tracy of these small towns in the Midwest where stores were ransacked, windows were smashed, and it was by BLM and Antifa, and they're like putting up board spray painting, small business, please don't hurt us, and things like that. And Tom Cotton wrote, send in the troops. The New York Times went into revolt. And Donald Trump said, nah, nah, nah. Just let, 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 let the country be destroyed by far left extremists. But every governor has their National Guard, citizen soldiers, one weekend a month. They're part of their National Guard that they control. And they so, didn't do anything. Well, how's that the federal government's problem? I mean, if the federal government can't do anything about national widespread far left terrorism, then 
I will just revert back to the whole national divorce civil war conversation. Because at this point, it's kind of like the federal government can do one thing. It can steal money from your paycheck and then burn it in Ukraine. Meanwhile, we're being our businesses are being set on fire and we're having far left extremists show up to our libraries. We're having adult sex performers perform for children. But I can rest assured that local government will do nothing and the federal government will take money from my paycheck and my business and burn it in Ukraine. I think it's about arm yourself locally. I'm, I don't want vigilante justice, but like if your governor won't do it and your president won't do it and people are getting killed outside your house, like what? What are people supposed to do in that situation? I've never seen that in my life. God forbid it would ever happen. But like just local militia, is that actually constitutionally legal if the governor won't step up? Absolutely. I mean, you can't go and kill someone like you can't like have a posse go just shoot someone. But like. You, there are places that have uh, citizen arrests and stuff like that. And yeah, look it, at look at Georgia. Look yeah. at uh, look at the uh, the McMichaels. Mm-hmm. When a guy is a, a felony burglary suspect on camera committing felony burglary, and the police go door to door and say, "This is the guy committing the felony burglaries burglaries of the past several months in your neighborhood," and then this guy is reported running down the street. If you pursue him, and he tries to steal your shotgun. And gets shot in the in in the in in the conflict, you will go to prison for the rest of your life. If you are in Wisconsin and a group of BLM extremists who have already set fire to a building twice, if they show up to your house and you brandish a shotgun, the cops will come and arrest you. If you're in Portland and far left extremists create an autonomous zone where they kill people, or mostly in Seattle where the people were killed, the police will do nothing. The federal government will do nothing. But rest assured. If you, as an American citizen, defend yourself from these people, they will show up to your doorsteps and mercilessly beat you. If you protest at the government, if you haphazardly bumble down the street in D.C., where the cops open the door to the Capitol building for you and say, come on in. I don't agree with it, but I respect it. You will find yourself in solitary confinement for two years without charges. Where is the lie? Where is the lie? There is nothing lie. There is no lie. There is no lie. That's all true. If working class people who are desperate desperately trying to follow the rules are being told for the past several years, we'll take your money and leave you high and dry when the psychopaths burn your house down. And they're doing it in Georgia. These extremists who are protesting in the forest, burning houses down, flipping trucks over and shooting at cops. We are being told over and over and over again by local government, we will do nothing for you. We're scared of them. We're being told by the federal government, we will do nothing for you. But rest assured, I'll say it again, they'll take our money and burn it in Ukraine. Speaking of burning money in Ukraine, Chris, I think you said that you wanted to reduce or we could reduce the military budget by something like 40 or 50 percent. What do you think about the United States reaction to um, Russia invading Ukraine? And what would you have done? Real interview happened if it does. What would your reaction have been had the invasion happened under your watch? I don't like bullies. End of story. I I just authoritarian, totalitarian doesn't work for me. Uh, And. You know, the big difference here in Ukraine than we had burning, taking our money and literally throwing it into the fire in Iraq and Afghanistan was and when we left all that money to, you know, you know what we were spending a week in Iraq and Afghanistan, two billion dollars a week. And the whole thing came undone as soon as we left Ukraine. uh, They're willing to fight. They're willing to die. They're willing to have their infrastructure destroyed. So, uh I believe that having supporting Ukrainian uh, forces is in our best interest. However, 
I got I got one for you. I got one for you. I like let's go ahead. If it's so important, take that out of the DOD budget as opposed to just adding to the uh, federal deficit. So I would I'm wondering if there would be such eagerness to provide exquisite weapon systems to the Ukrainians if that money was being subtracted from the 858 billion dollars that we spend on defense each year. If I could get specific, so um, as I understand, we've sent more money to Ukraine right now than the entirety of the Afghanistan war. I know we just reached to the point in sending tanks where I know at the beginning of the conflict about a year ago, that wasn't even in consideration. How far do you think we should go with weapons? Should we send more tanks potentially? Should we send aircraft? All right, so here's, here's my problem is the nature of warfare is changing, right? Tanks and planes aren't the answer. We're doing the wrong thing. We're trying to rebuild. We're trying to build them an image of our military that we have lost every war that we have fought since World War II. I think Korea is going to go in the. I think Korea is going to go in the win column someday. I'd actually put Korea in the win column now. Uh, so my issue is like sending all these exquisite, wicked, expensive tanks. What's a tank run for? Uh, let's call it two. Let's use an aircraft. Aircraft goes for about $120 million a piece. Drones can go for, what's a uh, DJI? Uh, the Chinese uh, DJI goes for 2000 2000 a piece. I'm not going to do public math, but you guys have your computers. $100 million divided by 2000 So I let, let's go ahead, instead of giving like... 50000 That's a lot. Can you imagine if you're sitting there you're a Russian and you're like, okay, I've got my radars up. I see one plane coming. I'm good. I can handle that because I got a bunch of missiles. Can you imagine all of a sudden when your radar screen just goes all white and 20,000 drones are coming in on you? We're fighting the wrong way. That's my concern. So we're sending yeah. all this money that it's the wrong capability. They, they can create light shows with drones that take the shape of a human face and have it animate and look around and then a hand comes out and like waves all the drones just make the Don't lights. You love those. It's amazing. Imagine if they did that, but like had them fly in a scatter formation, carrying kilograms of you know explosive material or something, and then wars. The the things you can do with drones and explosives, they can they can actually open up a computer, choose every single target for twenty thousand drones, and then every drone just targets windows, apartment buildings, cars. I, th I agree. I think we're 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 fighting an old school kind of way. That's it. Chris, Cold I, War. isn't it a little bit contradictory though? If you want to reduce spending by 50 percent, but you still want to send more arms uh, to Ukraine. So that's that's the that's the thing I'm trying to argue in my book is we can reduce spending if we rethink how we do our military operations. Instead of a fourteen billion dollar aircraft carrier, that's fourteen billion dollars. Instead of one point five trillion for the F thirty five fighter. We, that's all Cold War stuff. It's not going to last in a high-intensity war. It's going to last 72 hours. We need to rethink how we do this. We need to go cyber. We need to go machine learning, artificial intelligence. And Whoa! So you want better spending, but... Uh, straight into straight into AI? With, no, autonomy. With, oh, okay. But, right. Because but, what Tim said was you can... You can uh, this isn't like some Skynet thing or anything. Okay, that's not what right, I'm talking about. Right. I'm talking about being able to go a human in the loop, but... Going okay, we have five hundred targets, and then you can program your stuff to go get them without yeah. having to have a like person in heat the seeking. Loop. Yeah, yeah. So you can say like, 
these are the parameters of what we target. And so my big thing is return. We've got 1 million people in uniform, active duty, show up every day, right? We have 1 million in the National Guard and Army Reserve. That's one week in a month, two weeks during the year. And then we have about 700,000 civilians. 700,000 civilians work for the Department of Defense. My point is we can cut a huge amount of the active duty force. I want to go back to the citizen soldier. That's what I want. I want to go back to the citizen soldier who lives in his community. And you, we talk, you guys were talking about social unrest and everything. I want that community to have their soldiers next to them living there, and we don't have that as much anymore. So that's that's. I, I, I want to ask a question. Uh, someone in the Super Chat asked this. Do you think that the U.S. provoked Russia through its operations in Ukraine? I think what provoked Russia was our failure to withdraw effectively from Afghanistan, and we were so feckless, and it was such... Now, that's not to criticize anybody that was on the ground doing the work. That's not what I'm criticizing. But the the failure, that was a debacle. And I think Putin looked at that. And I think when they opened up the Politburo archives in like 50 years and they look at their National Security Council notes, they're going to go like, wow, Putin saw that as weakness in the United States and saw that as a green light to go after. We saw it, we saw it in Taiwan. So why, why did Russia go into Ukraine? I have no idea. I think we, I know. I think they want Sevastopol as a trade port. When uh, the Soviet Union broke up, they took it and they gave Black Sea access, like Mediterranean access to Ukraine. They wanted to keep Russia from becoming a, a global economic hegemon. But now he's trying to take Sevastopol on the freeways, East uh, 97 and 105 that go down in there. I watched the morning shows, you know, where they had all the retired generals, they had Barry McCaffrey and Admiral Stavridis and all these Joe, people. I used to watch that all the time. Right, man. And th- you remember last year at this time, they're like, Kiev will fall in 72 hours. Yep. And then, of course, today they're like, oh, the freedom fighters of Ukraine. The reason I bring this up is anybody that predicts what's going to happen over there, I have no confidence in. I agree. I think everything we've been told from everybody, you know, has just been wrong about what, it, what, what the trajectory of the war is going to be. Do you think it would be I, reason- I think I think uh, Russia obviously has its interests with Ukraine. So it's not fair to completely blame the U.S. operations for provoking Russia. Russia wanted, like like Ian was saying, Sevastopol, Crimea, sure. Donbass region, regardless of what the U.S. was doing. What ultimately happens is I think Vladimir Putin laments the fact that they lost Ukraine with the fall of the Soviet Union. They want access. They have uh, operations in Crimea. And then both the U.S. and Russia are, an enga- are, are engaged in influence operations in Ukraine in an attempt to win the favor of the Ukrainian people. But it seemed like, for the most part, the majority of the country was moving towards NATO and the EU. Even when I went there, that's what I saw. The people in, in, in Kiev were like, we want access to Europe. Europe was wealth for these people. They said, if we get Schengen zone, if Ukraine becomes a part of the Schengen zone and we can freely travel and work, our standard of living is going to skyrocket. Our wealth will skyrocket. Russia's offer with the Federal Trade Union was not that appealing to them. Of course, you get the ousting of Yanukovych, U.S. involvement to whatever degree. You've got Joe Biden, Burisma, energy operations competing with Russia. Both the U.S., NATO, Russia have heavy interests Russia moved in because the U.S. was winning the conflict. There was a cold war with Ukraine before there was a hot war. Russia turned it hot because the U.S. was winning it. Well, they, they annexed Crimea, which was potentially could have went hot, but they didn't. They just let it happen. And then because of That's the, the influence. The, the, the annexation of Crimea was the line between cold and hot. 
They brought in military into the region. There was not a lot of fighting, but they took that land. Then it went hot in the Donbass region. Donald Trump gets elected. Everything kind of simmers a little bit down. Do you think if we would have reacted differently to this seizure of Crimea in 2014, that this situation would be different? Oh, uh, in what way? What do you mean? Because Obama, we didn't do we didn't do jack. We let him take, and, yep. and and you know maybe we were too concerned about something. I don't know. Some- the U.S. should have declared a no-fly zone. Well, so, so there's a couple ways I look at this. First, my my principal morals are if they cannot justify to me and the American people why we should be spending money and being involved in Ukraine, it shouldn't happen in the first place. Strategically, Obama should have declared a no-fly zone instantly over the Donbass region and Ukraine, which Ukrainians would have supported outright, and that would have prevented Russia from aggressing in the first place because that would be a direct act of war against the United States. When it came to their buildup on the border— a year, a year ago, before the invasion, I and many other people were like, the U.S. strategically should have declared a no-fly zone before Russia invaded, because then Russians, Russia's move would have been an act of aggression against the U.S., putting them in a very difficult position. Instead, we have a Biden who sits on his hands and does nothing, and the military apparatus around him, Russia moves in, and now our hands are tied. Now we're sinking money into a toilet. And it's just I, like you were saying, what more money than Afghanistan? Yeah, so far. I saw in twenty I saw, years of Afghanistan too. In, in twenty years of Vietnam, even Crystal Ball was talking about this. It is a strategic nightmare. So this is a component of why I'm like, we should not be in this conflict. Nope. We should have nothing to do with it. We have, I mean, Ian. We surrender Afghanistan. It's a it's a disaster. You mentioned Putin sees this and he's like, wow, now's my opportunity. It has been just look, man. You know, everybody knows I've been playing poker recently. You get a bad hand, you fold. If you don't, and, and the, the most important lesson you can learn is if you're, if, if you're the eighth best player in the world and you're at a table with the seven other best players in the world, you're the sucker, get out. The U.S. should have seen everything that was going on and been like, you know, we're really bad at this and we're going to lose. Cut your losses, leave. We shouldn't be involved. Chris, I want to ask you about, um, so... I understand that the arguments that people make for helping out in Ukraine frequently, there's something along the lines of, well, you know, if you don't stop Putin, he's going to keep going and he's going to take you know, he's going to try to to bring back the Soviet Union, et cetera. And those arguments to me are not compelling at all. And that's just because NATO what's wrong with waiting to for nato to actually get involved until there's an actual threat to a nato country there was a reason why ukraine is not in nato now and this is literally it if i understand correctly nato didn't want ukraine because they didn't want to directly have a conflict with russia and that's what we're getting at right now if we if we continue to support ukraine at some point there's going to be dead nato soldiers and then there's going to be people talking about article five and 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 I don't see the off ramp at all right now. I don't see how we avoid that because we keep we keep committing to indefinite uh, support until the you know until Russia's beaten and we and the realistic perspective is Russia is only going to be beaten if they choose to be because they do have nuclear weapons. So I don't see where the off ramp is. With 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 us supporting Ukraine the way that we are, what what are your thoughts on that? Um, hey, NATO President Trump is right. What can't freeload anymore? Good on NATO. Good on NATO for all those years after World War II, 
where we pay, we bankrolled their security. Cold War's been over what thirty years. Some yeah. say it never ended. Just switched to China. Yeah. Oh yeah. Good point. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, we could go someplace on that one. Yep. Talking about the military industrial complex. Uh, so the poles. When I went over there, uh, I was over there a couple, eh, six, eight weeks after the war started. The poles went to this university, right, and uh, gave a lecture to some international affairs class. It was interesting. They liter- the leadership of the university got a sidebar with me and said, should we evacuate and set up an alternate university? And I said, why? They're like, because we think we're going to get a, a nuclear weapon strikes coming in. They were petrified. Now, your point about, uh, you know, you think Putin, you think Putin would make a move on uh, on a NATO country? I don't, and that's why I, I think, think that, so that's either. why I don't I think, think that we that's, shouldn't. That's existential for I him. To- exactly, and that's why I think that as as harsh as this is going to sound to a lot of people, we should keep our nose out of Ukraine because I don't see. Putin actually making an attack on a NATO country because that isn't that's that that just I don't see any benefit for for Putin to do that it's it to to actually try to engage in a war with NATO if there's a lack of NATO unity then I could see him invading Estonia or Latvia and then posing the question to the American public and Europeans are you guys really willing to fight and die for Estonia because that's what a lot of people in the United States would be asking and if you guys asked me that I I don't know I would respond do you think American soldiers should die in Estonia if Russia invades that's the question you just nailed it I know you they died in Germany I know, yeah. So, you know, I don't know if the American public is ready to answer that question. At, if Russia at, was willing to take it, then the, Chris, what do you? Good. Oh no, you guys go ahead. I, I you're think, the secretary, yeah. former. Uh, I, I, I would not <laughs> die for the Estonian people at the moment. Thank you. I love you, people. <laughs> I love you, and I'm here for you in my own way. <laughs> I think just not shooting people for you. Uh, but I think Putin's de- disincentivized of, of, of attacking NATO countries because he needs Turkey. He does. He Once, does. Let's be clear. He does not have the ass right now. Like no. there's this. There is this great statement that I heard when we were uh, losing in Iraq uh, the second or third time. I can't remember what time it was. Uh, great powers should never fight small wars because one of two things happens. One is. You, they win and they look like a complete bully and everybody gangs up against them. Or two, you they don't win and you show your... Blood in the you, water. You're feckless. Everybody goes, wow, that's a paper tiger. I don't think Ru- Russia, they do not have the combat capability right now no. to do anything. I mean, so... You, why, why they got are them you, nukes, why, though. Oh, so... Right, so I'm all... I'm all about strategic defense initiative, you know, Star Wars. Like I we, yeah. we were talking technology earlier. Dude, I think we have the ability to put that you, you know we were talking earlier about putting the bubble around. I think yeah. we can do that. So, the strategic I'm like strategic defense initiative. Just like deflect. Star Wars, remember everybody made yeah. fun of Reagan like this guy's a m- complete lunatic. The problem with defensive bubbles is things that come straight down uh pierce the bubble. Or, or a better chance to pierce the bubble, like hypersonic straight down. But, but the, the, real, stop. the real oh, issue yeah. is Russia probably has invested in cyber warfare more than anything else. Well, and, information operations, too, but with it, their but bot it, farms and everything. Yes, but I think the bigger issue is Russia probably has the capability of blowing up an oil refinery 
in a minute. It's it's the the cybersecurity is nigh impossible. You can it's very easy to attack. It's extremely difficult to defend. You have so many attack vectors throughout the country. You you won't even it's it's impossible to to shore up defenses because you don't know which of the tens of thousands of industrial plants to protect. And you can start by trying to protect all of them, update every single one. But even when you do, eventually someone will find a new exploit. The military, the, 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 the Russians will every single day be trying to find a way to break through and they will find it. And then they can do who knows what. What do you think ethically about a general armistice? with uh, the Russian army, like in eastern Ukraine, because what I think is happening is they want that Black Sea port. They want to be able to ship into the Mediterranean and sell steel to the world, the United States, everybody, everybody. And uh, that means an alliance with Turkey, which means an alliance with NATO. So the the end goal seems very positive for everyone involved, if except for the fact that the Ukrainians would have to cede the eastern territory, the Donbass or the southern Donbass but do you think that that's a reasonable de-escalation you're, tactic? You're triggering me, and this is where the American hypocrisy bothers me, that there's this idea that somehow we can dictate terms. The Ukrainians get to decide, and the Russians get to decide. And we can stop giving them money. And you know what? If we stop giving them money and we stop giving them stuff, they're not going to stop fighting. And it's going to go old school. So that's, They'll that stop might- fighting <laughs> when they get flattened. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And there's no one left to fight. You, Ukrainians have shown that they – the biggest change I saw from when you were over there, right? It used to be about 50-50 split. 50% were like, let's go Russia away. 50% let's go to the, east, let's go to the West. Leaning Western, but – Dude, last time over there, man, the hatred – I'm sure it's like 90%. Yeah, the oh, yeah. Donbass and all that, they're obviously – that, that's the trade space. We all know that. But my point is, we're not going to get to decide that. The Ukrainians get to decide that. And how do wars win or how do wars end? Exhaustion. And those two countries don't seem to be exhausted yet. So Yeah, but Ukraine is – look, Russia's got its problems militaristically, but Ukraine's only able to do anything because of NATO support. If we were not providing them with weapons and intelligence, they would have been flattened in a week. Russia, even Russia. I, I totally disagree. The way that, and that's part of my book, actually, is we talked about how we should need to fight differently. When the Russians came down from the north to uh, try to capture Kiev, and what did you have? You had like babushka women out there, you know, slapping plastic explosives on freaking, uh, you know, Russian tanks. You had little hunter killer teams with their pickup truck and, you know, uh, anti tank guns and stuff. So, that that's my point is they're absolutely capable of defending themselves even if we pulled everything out it'd get a hey, lot right. worse don't that, get me that's wrong. a great argument for us to pull everything out and back off and be and, and because if that's but the wh- case then i see no reason for us to be but why time. why it's not you know what are we gaining from the it? One, what do we get why, why yeah why? i want to ask you that like why would we bail why would we pull out when we can f- fix 
the Russian war machine in a interminable war. What do you, what do you mean fix the Russian war machine? They're, they're stuck right now. They can't do anything else. So what what do what do I as a tax paying American citizen gain from everything we've done in Ukraine? Well, I kind of am a Ronald Reagan kind of conservative who believes in peace through strength, and I don't like bullies and authoritarian regimes. And I think you, I get tired of the cliche should about we, this. Should we? I get cl- what about tired Pakistan? Of, should we? Should get, we get involved in the China dispute with I, India? I get tired of that cliche about Munich and whatever year it was. And but, I mean, where's it end? We have to stand someplace, and these people are willing to fight and die. We're not. There's not a single American troop. What's in our, arms What's way. our dispute with Russia? Well, they're a authoritarian, totalitarian regime that is going has designs on conquest, and so why aren't we involved in the China dispute with? I think it's in India, right? Why aren't we involved they, in that dispute? They're taking they're care of the themselves. So I thought you said the Ukrainians could take care of themselves. Yeah, they can. So why are we there? Why not? If all they need some material, and so we've got U.S. personnel on the ground. We have got special forces operating there. No, we don't. Yes, we do. Intercept. Prove it. I'll pull it up right now. Special forces have been operating for a long time. The internet is so legit. Chris. Chris. This was, this was a big Come story. Come on, Chris. Come on. You know that they're, even if there's no evidence there, you know they're there. I mean, you can call the intercept fake news. Will the Biden administration shine light on shadowy special ops programs? Let me. Uh, no, sure. that's programs. That's an that's, old story. That's an old story. Yeah, right. Let me. Uh, the intercept reported this a while ago. Let me. Uh, there's American Hold volunteers, I'm pretty sure, but oh, those yeah, totally. because they're volunteers. They're volunteers. I, I suspect there are small numbers. When I Last time I was there, I'm telling you, other than at the embassy doing uh, embassy work, there were no uh, U.S. Uh, special operations. I thought there were Americans there to help them tr- like train them when the equipment were sending. No, they were in Poland. Poland. Uh, they're military Poland. Okay. inspectors at the very least. Now, I agree. I don't like bullies. The United States bullied Iraq and Afghanistan for two decades, so like... Mm-hmm. I feel like now we have Iraq, Russia's going to take Eastern Ukraine, China's going to take Taiwan. There, every warmonger wins. Now we're the three strongest countries on earth again. Can we just be peace, peaceful and calm? Russia, by the way, Russians consider they want calm. Americans talk about peace and peace through prosecution. Secret U.S. They operations inside calm. Ukraine are being conducted under a presidential covert action finding, current and former officials said. The finding indicates that the president has quietly notified certain congressional leaders about the administration's decision to conduct a broad program of clandestine operations inside the country, one former special forces officer said. The Biden uh, amended a pre-existing finding originally approved during the Obama administration that was designed to counter malign foreign influence activities. A former CIA officer told The Intercept that Biden's use of pre-existing finding has frustrated some intelligence officials who believe that the U.S. involvement in Ukraine conflict di- differs so much from the spirit of the finding that it should merit a new one, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. This is from uh, October 2022. This hmm. was a big deal. Ken Klippenstein and James Risen reported this for The Intercept, and it got syndicated basically everywhere. I think The New York Times picked it up. We have the U.S. as active personnel in the country. The argument is, are they engaged in direct conflict or are they doing infrastructure, logistics and support? Regardless, I have not heard an argument and it's not been justified to me why we are providing weapons, funding and personnel in any capacity. The U.S. provided the weapons and the intelligence to the Ukrainians they used to destroy the Russian flagship in the Black Sea. Why? Why are we at war with Russia? They've not given us any real reason. Now, I get it. Russia's an adversary. Obama called them a regional power. Russia does deals with other countries. It interferes with us in terms of the energy uh, market that we're trying to build with Europe. 
the Qatar Turkey pipeline. So if the real reason is that we have engaged in war in Ukraine because we want cheap energy into Europe so that Europe can build up its economy as a means to counteract the growth of China. Sure, I understand that. I don't see that as a good enough reason. Russia is engaged in legitimate energy trade. We are pissed off about it because we want Europe to expand and they're our allies. So we decide to support a war against Bashar al-Assad and Russia. It just seems like psychotic world ending policy, especially when you consider that Russia, they're not going to roll over. This conflict is going to get worse. So this all I, I look, I can talk about how far back this goes. But as a 36, nearly 37-year-old man, I'm, and give me a couple of weeks, my birthday's coming up, I can talk to you about the extent to which I entered this and have vast ignorance of the longstanding conflict. But what we know is Europe has made the argument, or I should say the European Union argument is, they need a strong economic bloc because China is growing too rapidly. They need to be able to counter that. Russia controls a large portion of the energy flowing into Europe and charges them an arm and a leg. The U.S. and European, uh, uh, European organizations, institutions wanted to build a pipeline through, through Syria, through Turkey, the Qatar-Turkey pipeline. Syria said no, because we're in it for Russia. Surprise, surprise. I'll just leave it at this. The country destabilizes. The U.S. provides military support to certain rebel factions. ISIS expands rapidly. And then we see the conflict escalating with Ukraine, all of its surrounding energy. You've got the Gazprom gas monopoly through Ukraine. You've got Burisma with Joe Biden. All of these things centered around getting cheap energy to allow European expansion. Thus, it ultimately comes down to, in my opinion, there is a great global conflict. It's never ended. The Cold War turns into something else. But if the argument is Europe needs cheap energy, so we are going to go fight in Ukraine to cause problems to Russia so that as the war expands, if Russia does team up with China, they'll be substantially weakened. I'm like, oh, you're basically saying World War III is coming. We want it. We're involved in it. We're not going to back down. Okay, not a, not a, not a good enough reason for me, I'd be honest. Uh, I'm, I'm being told either trust me when I spend all of your money, more than we've spent anywhere else on this war in Ukraine, uh, and it will probably lead to World War III. I'm being told that's the path we're going to take, and I'm not going to give you a legitimate justification for why we're doing it. Um, my attitude is just, okay, well, then I'm going to advocate against it every step of the way, because uh, if you can't justify it, the American people should not be giving you support for it. I think that if it's this old British Empire tactic of keeping the Germans and Russians separate, if the Germans and Russians create an alliance, you have like an, uh, uh, a European Asian superpower in China, Russia, India, Germany. Then after 20 years, the United States is the bitch of the realm. And we lost the war through ineptitude and inactivity. Whereas right now they're trying to prevent this Hitler's invasion of Poland all over again. They're like, we're getting in early. We're not going to let him take France. That's a tough question. The, The question being, should the U.S. dominate the world? Should they? Well, I think it's a cheap price for Putin's foot soldiers, and China has no limit, I think, um, no limit to their relationship with Russia. So um, people are right in saying that it's a proxy war, but it's not a proxy war between the United States and Russia. It's a proxy war between the United States and China. Um, Chris, what do you think? Wow, you just always bring it back in. You got, <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy's doing the real interview. That, yeah. And the mustache <laughs> is nice yeah. looking. I think the Chinese are laughing all the way to the bank right now. And I know this week the whole story is like the Chinese and the Russians are combining, which is horrifying, yes. But 2,500-mile border between Russia and China, China, I think, is probably going, I love the fact that the entire Russian army is 
committed and stuck in Ukraine because last time I checked, you guys are experts on this. The Chinese have lots of problems with natural resources, which all are just north of there. I got to think they're just sitting there going, oh, we're taking the long view. We love the fact that the Russians are getting bled. It's horrifying if you're a Russian soldier or mercenary. Holy cow, that's a bad. You got you drew a bad lot on that one. Woo! But I think the Chinese are just absolutely like we couldn't have asked for a better setup. We've got everybody focused over here, and we can just continue to do what we and, need to do. And over they'll there. likely, I think, move into Taiwan at some point soon. I think that balloon is a literal trial balloon. The way I describe it is: when you're robbing a liquor store, you don't care that the gun you have is illegal because you're committing a worse crime. China, I think, is getting ready for action in Taiwan, so they don't care if we're pissed about a balloon. Yeah. They're they're preparing for something much worse. You think you think they could take Taiwan? They absolutely could take Taiwan. The question is, what losses are they willing to sustain in doing so? Yeah, and what would Taiwan look like afterwards? Right. Would it even be I there? Think, I think they get ashore and then they get stuck. Chris, let me follow up and ask you. So you were acting oh, no. Secretary of Defense um, <laughs> during it, during who, who, a time that was going to transition, which are it's supposedly the most militarically military, militaristically vulnerable time um, for a nation. During the Trump administration, we were still under the strategic ambiguity on whether or not we would defend uh, Taiwan. But Joe Biden, some people are calling him a blabbering idiot when he says this, but he takes takes away strategic ambiguity because he says that we will defend Taiwan. Could you give us some insights but, on what was happening under the Trump administration, how we would have reacted to China trying to invade Taiwan? And what do you think about Joe Biden um, saying now that we would defend Taiwan? Well, remember, remember the International School of, uh, of International Affairs has this thing called the Madman Theory. You know, they said Nixon was like he was playing the madman, like he's unstable. Well, that's actually a valid, uh, you know, concept for how to deal with foreign adversaries. And of course, they thought tr- every, the world, many people in the world, thought Trump was using the same thing. He was using that madman theory. The pro- so I everybody asks like, you know, what what would have happened? I don't think. They would have taken a – you tried that balloon. That was a probe of our defenses. Yeah. I'm with you 110%. Pure and simple. Uh, and I don't think – the thing with the Biden, you said it's strategic ambiguity. It's actually more muddled now because you have the president of the United States says that we're going to defend Taiwan. And then you have the secretary of state says, oh, whoa, no change in policy. It, and then the Secretary of Defense says the same thing. So I think the, the Chinese are like, we don't know what the hell's going on. It came from right the president's now. mouth, though. He said I it know. three times. He was but in the, office for longer than I've been alive. I, you know, I think he knows. Am I naive to take him at his word when he says that we would defend Taiwan? Do you not think China's taking him at his word? I don't, I don't know. Mm. I don't think we have enough insight into what's going on in China, to tell you the truth. I was just, my point was. Uh, they could get ashore, but they uh, I can't I cannot imagine a scenario where the Chinese take a crack at Taiwan. Is Taiwan really? just massively defended, just entrenched no. tunnels and No, it's just the terrain's so rough. There are only three beaches they can land on and then they can get ashore. They can get ashore, I'm with you, but then what do you do? Yeah. It, it's, it's a big it's, island. Uh, it's a it's a it's a it's yeah. a big piece of land. But I but I, I they China could take it. 
but it would be very, very expensive. And you don't in want terms to destroy of lives it. and resources yeah. and right and destroying it. What's the point of taking something that turns into a smoldering rock? They want its resources. They want its IP. They want the, the chip manufacturing. You don't think it's just because they, they're they like, this is part of China and we don't care if it partly. I think, part, that's a, I partly. think there's a lot of ideology in there because that's, yeah. that's where the... the that, that's real China. Yeah. Well, uh, that's where the the, the, capital, the capitalist, the... the um, that's where they escaped to when the CCP took over. Yeah, during the Boxer the Rebellion. Real, well, this yeah. is back in the late 1800s, the Boxer Rebellion. I mean, that's where the drug, uh, they I pushed them no, 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 all no. the way He's to the East. talking about the culture revolution and all yeah. that. The, 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 the Chinese, the Republic of China fled to Taiwan and stayed there. Shanghai-shek, right? Is and, the guy's and, name? Yeah. yeah. And it was actually, I'm pretty sure that, um, was it the UN? Foreign governments, I think the US, recognized Taiwan as the real government of China yep. up until a certain point, I think. Yeah, I remember it was 70 it was, something like that. Nixon? Yeah, Nixon went over there with Kissinger and they cut a deal to end that. Uh, they, yeah, like China is now the province and we cut diplomatic relations and all that stuff with them. Yeah. Awful. And yeah. it was before that, it was the well, British were attempting to colonize China and they pushed them off the continent. It just onto the islands. That was at the end of the 1800s. But remember, the reason we the uh, Nixon administration cut the deal is we needed to get out of Vietnam. So there was a quid you know, pro quo, and they also were like the Soviets. We've got to counter them by bringing the Chinese out of the orbit. It was I'm like not familiar I, with that story about China. About that's why Nixon went to to China. I have to look into that. I'm not. I think we should just start uh, behaving as though World War Three has already ended. And then uh, get a homestead, get some goats and chickens. That's why I think about alliance with Russia, not in the sense of a military line, alliance against someone. I'm saying that wars can end and immediately go back to normalcy. Like a white peace can be declared and economics are immediately struck back up. Infrastructure is rebuilt. People, they, they speak the same language. You know, like the Russians and Ukrainians are basically the same people. It's like Canadians and Americans. We're all like, it'd be crazy for us to be at odds. Uh, I mean, they speak a different language. Yeah. Ukrainian and Russian are not the same language. Okay. They're, the the Slavic languages have, 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 have an overlap, right? Like uh, Cyrillic alphabet. They have yeah. the same alphabet. Ro- like ro- uh, Romance languages can somewhat understand each other. You know, their Latin root or whatever. So Eastern European languages have a similar root. But I, but, could, uh, I could certainly see the conflict ending and then it's within a day back to normal. Like people do not want to kill each other. It's not like a desire, a deep human desire. It's, it's yeah, they mostly don't. They mostly don't. The, the psychological trauma soldiers develop from having to kill other people. Like the story from Vietnam that the troops were shooting over the heads of the Viet Cong because they really just people don't want to kill each other. There's, it's a sad, sad reality of war, man. There's truth to that. But there's also the, the, the fact that like atrocities that happen to POWs and stuff like that, they happen for a reason. And that's because the people that that do the capturing just lost, you know, their buddies or whatever to the guys they just captured. When you're standing there looking at a guy that is on, you know, the opposing side and you've got him, they surrender or whatever, and, you know, ha- your, your, your platoon was decimated. So one out of 10 dudes is gone. You know, you lost four or five guys or whatever in the, pa- in the past week. And, you've, and one of them was your friend and whatever. And you've got those dudes like at your, you know, in your, in your power. People get real evil real quick. That was that My Lai Massacre on uh, Vietnam is an example of that. I think they killed 200 civilians. They went in with like helicopter gunships and like, and the, the, there was a captain that issued the order. We're just going to torch and kill everyone here. And they murdered and no one got yeah. any kind of jail time for it. The one guy, the captain got in trouble, but then was pardoned by Nick. Callie. Callie was his name. He's a lieutenant. Lieutenant. Captain Medina. You know, we learned this. 
we that's educated and trained it into every single soldier that goes into the army. You learn about that, about ethical reasoning and how this is what happens when you lose when you lose control and that's like we talked about accountability and leadership. That's why leadership is so critical. Hey, I'll tell you what, you, you're pretty amped when you uh, grab a hold, when you're, you come off the objective and you've taken some casualties and you grab a hold of your targets. Yeah, it gets pretty amped, but, you know, we take that pretty seriously. Sometimes things go wrong, uh, but, man, that we, ta- we, we teach that. It's the lieutenant that gave the order? That's Callie as the lieutenant? Yeah. And he's the one that got put on, was a death sentence and then commuted the sentence? Yeah. And then the, the captain was— Life and- prison or something they commuted it medina because remember ultimately if you're a commander if you're a boss you're responsible for everything that doesn't doesn't happen there were generals and there were colonels involved that did not do the right thing when they identified that there had been a massacre they did the cover-up so uh it just got it just got really war's ugly I, I, for a lot of reasons and that's one of them i mean you've taken prisoners is it can be you know really 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 rough it's it's Friendly fire too is not talked about enough. It's well, like thirty five percent of casualties are wow. friendly fire. It's it's rough. I, mean, I don't know the real numbers, but that's what I've heard, dude. And I think it was a guy in a helicopter. It was like a gunship pilot. That he sat, sat the, down, yeah, and, and pointed the guns at the Americans. Said, and was like, "You are not going to kill these people." Do you Whoa. realize he's he's passed now? He received uh, like thirty years after that because he was ostracized for not being a team player. That helicopter yeah. pilot. He was finally awarded for his heroism. That's like that's moral courage, right? And he finally was awarded towards the end of his life. This happened in like the ninety or in the two thousands, but you know, uh, geez, yeah, it's tragic. But dude, Vietnam is—I'm fortunate to have grown up with a dad that was in the Navy to avoid getting into the jungle. His cousin, I think it was his his cousin, got shot down in a helicopter. Just horror stories, you know. And, and parents with no legs of my friends that had been in the jungle. It's really people should should educate themselves on Vietnam and listen to stories of Vietnam veterans that there's videos of them on the internet telling for an hour, talking about either they were captured, what it was like to be in a foxhole in the dark for two weeks, you know, what's, what's your favorite movie? Let's go. My favorite movie Vietnam, of all time. Or Vietnam no movie? Vietnam movie. Come on. Apocalypse now has to hold up. It's good. It's slow though. Platoon I know. Is- do you, do you think you could make apocalypse now? Because I think the audience would be like, this is so boring. Well, the acting was amazing. Yeah. It was. Do uh, all of those movies have Fortunate Son in them? Yeah, have they, to. Yeah, they have, have to. Forrest Gump, is that one? I love Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump's great. Does, what that about Platoon? Does that have Fortunate Son in yep. it? Forrest Gump? I think yeah. so. I, <laughs> that's the one. Family Guy made the joke where uh, Quagmire was talking about being in Vietnam, and he was like, you know, it was it was horrible. The, the temperature, the, the people, the, the conflict. Fortunate son playing nonstop, and then it shows him on a boat and it's playing. Fortunate the smell. Son. A lot of the soldiers will say the one of the biggest things is when you land, you get off the thing. Mm-hmm. It's 104 degrees and it smells. It just it's a good song, stinks. Though. They used the to say that country. about the uh, Japanese islands in World War II, just because of yeah the heat and they just sit there. No one's cleaning these bodies up, especially not during not during World War II. What other? There's platoon apocalypse yeah, now. What else, what else we got? Uh, go tell it to the spark. Full metal jacket. Full, Full metal, metal jacket. jacket. Right. That's the one I was thinking about. Oh, come on. Full metal jacket. That that's, that's got Fortunate Son in it, too, I'm pretty sure, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it does. I'm, I'm sure you're right. Creed's yeah. Clearwater Revival. But you, that, you do that at song, your shows? Man. No. <laughs> you could do like a thrash version of that. We, that would be awesome. You could do that song as, heavy, as, yeah, a, you, as a metal song. All right. I mean, we did Garth Brooks, so. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What, what did you do for Garth Brooks? The Thunder Rolls. <laughs> I gotta hear that. Came out great. I got a gold record out of it. It was nice. Oh, wow. Well, let's go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at TimCast.com to support our work. we got a new show. It's called The Culture War with Tim Pool. Friday mornings, when we record it, goes up at 1 p.m. And this show exists because we've had many inquiries for guests who can't, they're not necessarily news commentary and culture commentary people, but they have interesting stories and things to talk about. So this is more of just a conversational show. We had Ali London, surprisingly knows a whole lot about modern politics and news. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe we we're wrong about this guy. But we do have uh, some upcoming musical guests who have dealt with the culture war. And uh, we'll talk about vax mandates and things like that coming up. Plus, uh, we got some good guests coming. It's going to be very different, but good conversation. So check out youtube.com slash TimCast, where the show is now live. And we'll have clips from the show coming up all throughout the next week. Let's read those super chats. Sir Elliot says, buck, buck. For those that are fans of Chicken City, um, we've got a bully in the Chicken City. And Kim had to treat several of the chickens today, including Roberto Jr., who it was, uh, his leg was, was bleeding or something. Mm. And Margaret had blood on her, and then she had to clean it and tend to them. A mystery. And, well, has the, the culprit been? They people think they know it. it we, you, there's a camera on it all the time. We know which chicken is doing it. We just need to like watch the footage, and and then I guess that chicken's going to get sent to chicken jail or something. Deserve it, but yeah. All right, sideways. 2013 says avid VTuber fan. Just correcting from earlier, most are mid twenties range women trying to keep their identity obscured and just want to be cute anime girls. What's VTube? It's when like it's it's a Twitch streamer who has an anime character that like moves oh, and talks. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, here we are soldiers. That's another one. I haven't oh, seen that. Best. Re- got- best movie. Yeah. Pat Dry says, I'd like to make sure Ian knows his art of the raw deal performance was pure gold. I've watched it so many times and still laugh. Love you, Ian. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, seen it, it's on youtube.com slash cast castle. And it's uh, Ian, the host of the show, Rian with Ian, who secretly recorded Roberto Jr., was it? Yeah. On the phone because yeah. of the, the contract he was offered, offered him 50 million chick coins. Kellen's in it as well. Plays yeah, one that's producer. Right. That's right. Yeah. Check it out. Cast Castle. All right. Where we at? <clears throat> Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, that was, an, that was excellent today. Everyone agrees. The bestest new culture war show. Ali's story and future activism will be important. Who came up with acceptance turns into requirement? I dig. Uh, that is just something I said. I said tolerance becomes acceptance and acceptance returns and in, turns into requirement, like how uh, luxuries like cell phones at some point turned into a requirement. But uh, yes, Ali London's story is crazy. He was trans Korean, a transgender Korean woman. He's a British male who was living in this world of all of this identity stuff. And so he started getting surgery to be a Korean person because he wanted to be Korean. He wanted to look like a K-pop star and then ultimately decided he said this. He said, I'm still not happy after getting all the surgery. Maybe it is transgender. That's the answer. Started doing facial feminization and, and moving in that direction. And then finally had a realization. He said, how much more surgery do I have to get? And when does this stop? And then stopped and started reflecting on his life 
And then he realized it had to come from within and this wasn't making him happy. It was only making things worse. And then he did a complete 180 and now he's detransitioned. He's writing a book about it saying people need to find themselves and not look for validation from others. Really interesting uh, conversation. It's like two hours long. Check it out. YouTube.com slash TimCast, or I think it's on Apple and Spotify, was, the Culture War podcast with was Tim it, was that It must have been pretty motivating. I'll watch it. But that must, like, he went through that whole process and ended up with, like, you got to be yourself. Yeah. And don't and, don't and, try to be something that someone else wants you to be. I'm, is that kind of what you're saying? And he said he regrets that it took, it, it. he got all of this surgery done that altered himself before he finally realized oh. it. Yep. Well, if Ease your regrets, man, because that story is going to help a lot of people and yeah. probably mm-hmm. keep people from having to go through what you went through. He's, he And the funny thing is, I was like, when you were doing this trans-Korean stuff, we were like conservatives attacking you and threatening you. He was like, no. And I was like, you didn't get people insulting you? And he's like, not really. And then I'm like, when you detransitioned, oh, the left sending death threats and hate. They're trying to get him banned. He's been canceled from shows. They're just trying to destroy his life in Korea. And I'm like, oh, I'm not surprised. You know, it's crazy. But uh, YouTube.com slash TimCats, if you want to watch it. I, I do think it was, it was it, I, I had a fun time talking to him. All right, let's see what we got here. Sweet Beat says, can this recent crazy weather be a type of intentional malicious weather warfare? <laughs> uh, when you were the uh, acting secretary of defense, did you get briefed on any kind of weather weapons that may exist? If only. Biggest regret, Tim. <laughs> you know, they brief you on like nuclear war and terrorism stuff. I should have got the weather brief and I should have got UFOs and I missed them both. Big, big fail on my part. Uh, you know, it, we, we do have weather. We have the ability to control the weather. We screwed it up. We did it in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. What do they do? Uh, seed the clouds with I right. think, mer- silver, I- silver, sil- silver, silver, to we make were, it rain. Yeah. We were going in, they were doing that in North Vietnam to flood the rivers. The problem was there was an Amer there was a POW camp called Sante S O N T A Y that, we did the most bold commando raid in like the history of the world. They flew up in there and they landed and the the prisoner war camp was on this river that had due to the fact that we were messing with the weather, the river overflowed, so they moved the prisoners a couple of days prior and Wow. It's uh silver iodide. Yeah. Silver iodide. Yeah, silver that's iodide. The rain making yeah. Uh it's crystallized silver iodide and it causes uh, water particles to start condensing. But they also have in the past probably longer than a decade, but a decade ago or so it was reported, Germany was using infrared lasers to- I was wondering about that. Yeah, to create lightning? Was, no, to to uh, create rain. I think you can make, you pull, can make lightning out of it. Like to, you to would force- heat, Would it heat like the water molecules or something? I, something like that. I don't know. Huh. They, they found a way to condense. Okay. You know, so- Makes no sense. Idea. So Marjorie Taylor um, Green was right. Dubai, too. Rain. They do? Yeah. In Dubai? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like drones. I think that's what you're talking about, Ian, with like they're using heat or electricity of some kind. I heard it was silver so, iodide, but I think it could iodide be newer tech too. as well. Yeah, that was pretty recent. Rath says, Tim, if you start a new channel for your poker podcast idea, you should name it The Pool Table for all your tabletop needs. I think we wanted it. We're going to call it Poker with the Boys. What do you guys think? I don't know. So it wasn't my idea. Someone else suggested that we do a Sunday night hangout live stream where we just get a bunch of dudes who play poker. And then it's mostly just a conversation hangout with poker as a backdrop. And I was talking to Clint from Liberty Lockdown. He was actually a pro poker player. And I was like, I certainly wouldn't be the guy for it. It's got to be him or someone. But then we would all hang out and it would just be fun because we'd have conversations similar to this, but it would be sillier. There'd be booze and chips and whatever. And people are having nachos and getting drunk and then, you know, calling bluffs or whatever. I think it'd be a fun, fun show. Uh, someone else pointed that out to me. I can't remember. Who, it might have been Matt, uh, Matt Brainerd, maybe. I'm not sure. 
Hey, speaking of controlling the weather, I saw this article. Uh, high-powered lasers can be used to steer lightning strikes. Whoa. <laughs> Do you know what a laser-induced plasma channel is? Yes, an electrolaser. That is a high-powered, what is it, plasmatic hydrogen just focused in a beam? They use infrared lasers to ionize the air, creating a path for electricity to travel down. So the energized or whatever particles in the air, the, the electricity can travel through it. So it creates a path of least resistance. And you can look this up. Um, it was, um, what was it called? Picatinny or whatever? Piccadilly? I don't know. Some Air Force Base. Which one is it? They were experimenting with laser-induced plasma channel weapons. The idea was... Picatinny. Picatinny. Isn't it? Yeah. Go ahead, you sorry. mount a gigantic machine that fires an infrared laser uh, for a split second, and then the, the electrode is charged already. So as soon as the laser fires, the electricity travels straight down the path and hits whatever... So they were like shooting cars with bolts of lightning. <laughs> and ultimately they were like, it's cumbersome, inconvenient, and energy exhaustive. There's no reason to do it. But it's awesome. But it's so cool. <laughs> it's like shooting. Imagine if you had like a backpack with a battery and you could pull a trigger and blast lightning at somebody. I'm <laughs> seeing Ghostbusters right now as soon as you said that with the thing in the back. Yeah. Though. Did you, was I the only one? No, it's the I was thinking of those robo dogs. You can <laughs> shoot it a bunch of different directions at once. Like, you can look up it. videos on YouTube. They're small versions one is a guy put it in his door creating a a quote-unquote force field where you can see the arcs of lightning going you know all over where the laser induced plasma channel is happening what's the difference between that and like a rail gun is that like rail guns use an electromagnetic in sequence to project a piece of metal oh okay yeah okay rail guns are crazy yeah full full auto rail gun just it's like a it's electromagnetic pulse. So yeah. it, I want to launch it. spacecraft with rail on railgun type. Mm. Well, a- actually, there I was reading about that, and ultimately, I think they decided for space package delivery, they're going to use high speed centrifuges. Yeah, that's so th- smart. There was a discussion. Uh, I was reading about how they did want to use railguns, use a, a, an electromagnetic railgun to do it, and then they ultimately decided just to swing it. Have you high seen speed any videos boom. on that? Their videos. They're doing it? it? Yeah, they're yeah. doing it. Whoa. There's a company doing it. I forgot the name of it. That's it's cool. legit. <laughs> Spinning it so fast and then just sh- sending it down a, a tube, poof, launching it into space. I'll yeah. send you. I'll send you. Oh, here it is. You found it's, it? Uh, this startup wants to throw satellites into orbit with a giant centrifuge. Yeah. yeah. Spin oh. launch is the Spin name launch. of the company. Spin launch, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, way, way less energy required. You don't need all that Googling fuel. Now. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes, cool. it goes uh, supersonic, so that's the one thing is like they have to do this in the middle of the desert because you Good get a sonic boom completely. coming out. Wow. Is that crazy? Yeah. Man, imagine working there. I, I imagine that, that something like this would be, would be at a spaceport, right? I think that's you where would, they want to put it, like down in probably, Arizona or something. Yeah, put it, put it like I mean, because rockets are are you know the the sound of rockets like you have to be really far away because they they're massive and blah blah blah. So I imagine if you have to worry about you know the sound levels, a spaceport would, would make sense for this stuff to 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 be. You know, you, I can't believe that I'm talking right. about spaceports. You got a song. <laughs> Let's read some more. You got a song out of that. You're, Martin, I know you're thinking about it. Martin Small says, "Chris, it's great to see you on IRL." You were the best leader I had in my 21-year career. Strength and honor. Holy cow. That's humbling. There you that's go. when I start getting weepy, man. What was your role? A uh, couple of uh, commander. What particular rank and command? Cap. Uh, a special forces Green Beret. So what was that came out? Uh, yeah, that's what I did. I was just Green Beret captain, major. Like you start, you have 12 men, and then you go to like, 60 and then you go to 
400 and then I got out. Would you spend time in the field like for weeks at a time? Yeah, man, that's that's it, baby. That's it. We got uh, Angela Richter in the member chat saying, ha, I live a few miles from SpaceX and my house is being shaken apart as I watch this. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> no, it is. I hope your house stays together, but man, yeah. what, a, what a way to lose the property. And anyways. You know. Has anybody gone down and see us? Has anybody seen a space launch Mm-mm, down there? Either. I'm desperate to do that. That's Fun. bucket litch. Yeah. You know what I really want? I want to be flying. I saw a video of this, and oh. I want to be in person, be flying through the air in an airplane when I'm watching a rocket launch, or better, the the, the boosters land. Yeah, that would be that super would be, cool. Yeah. Be in an airplane and watch boosters land. That would be super awesome. All right. The Fizz says, I'm a board member for a nonprofit for disaster response. I know you guys are particular with sponsorships and shout outs. Where can you uh, send you guys and where can I send you guys an email about our organization to see if we could work together? I think on this YouTube channel in the about section, there should be an email address for sponsorships. But we are very particular. I just I prefer to keep sponsorships to a to a very to a very, very minimum. I mean, look, all of these companies, they come to me and they want to sign us for some reason or another. And the fine print in the contracts is always, if you read six ads per episode, you'll make $50 million a year. And I'm like, I don't want to read six ads per episode. I'd rather just not have that. Although part of me is kind of like, man, what could you do with all that money? You could hire a bunch of people. You could build a bunch of stuff. But I just, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. You could hire someone, the Micro Machines man, speaker, the guy that talks really fast and have him do the read so you can do that. I mean, I could talk pretty fast if I had to, but, um, you know, it's a really interesting thought, Phil. Um, Before we finish that, why don't you guys head over to TimCast.com and become a member? No, I'm not a fan of uh, podcasts that that do that. It's kind of off-putting. You're watching an interview and there's some guy saying like, when I was there, the killing fields, the children that I saw. That's really interesting. Before we move on, head over to largediapers.com, a sponsor for today's show, and you'll get 20% off. And I'm just like, Ugh. Well, then you always have to enter the code, right? There's always some special code. That, that, that's so they, they know if the ad's working. Yeah. So whenever they, they say, yeah, so the, the reason ads are always like, you'll get 10% off if you use promo code TIM. It's actually so that they can look in their internals and be like, hey, look, we got 1,000 new customers who use TIM. The TIM ads are working. Buy more of them. So you're not going to do it. We do some ads sometimes. YouTube has programmatic ads, but for the most part, I think memberships at TimCast.com are the principal way to run the business. It's kind of like I would rather have customers as opposed to like if you're if you're doing sponsorships, the sponsors are your customers and the spon- and your customers oh. expect a good product. And then you end up with I don't like that you said that thing about that stuff. And you're like, well, I'm going to keep saying it. And like, well, I'm not going to be a customer of yours. And if you rely on that, then you're beholden to companies that want to sell diapers or whatever, as opposed to the people who watch your show. If you do it as memberships, then we're beholden to the people who are paying our memberships and not corporations who sell products. Not that I have a problem with that. I mean, if your corporation sells products, we have some sponsors. Ultimately, I decided we'll sponsor ourselves. So we're launching a coffee brand. And we're probably going to do some kind of supplements or something and then just basically be our own sponsors. So that way we can't cancel ourselves and we are still more beholden to our audience who are our customers. It's like social media. You're not the customer for Twitter. You're the product. The customer is the advertiser. Yeah, I don't want to run a business like that. I'd, I'd rather have the people listening to the show be the customers that we're accountable to and not. It's great. Yeah. I'm motivated. What's the name of the coffee? Can you tell us yet? Not yet. Um, oh. It's delayed, but I think it should be done in a couple of weeks. It was supposed to be like December, 
they we call the company and they're like, we can have everything ready in a week. And I'm like, awesome. And they're like, yep, six weeks. And I was like, okay. Supply chain, man. It's a very long That's week. true. And we've got uh, like 80% of the new studio done, but there's no internet because I, th- I think it's Comcast. They're like, we don't have the materials to build. Sorry. Have a nice day. Doesn't Call must do Starlink. We have Starlink. It's not strong enough. Oh, really? The upload rate for Starlink, I think, is like eight megabits. It's impractical. So it's like old school, like dial-up modem type no, thing? No, no. It's better than that. <laughs> just, old school dial-up. I was just showing how old I was. Old school cable, you know, yeah. when you were getting like a megabit and you were excited. I'm getting eight megabits up. It's like, okay, I can do a 480 live stream. We can upload video files. It'll take 20 minutes. You know, right now we've got, we've got greater than gigabit. So it's unfortunate, but we're building infrastructure in a semi-rural area, uh, mostly rural area. And that means they've got to lay down the lines, lay down the fiber, and they don't have the materials to actually build it. They said, sorry, we don't have it. When we get it, we'll let you know. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I, if I speak on a show like this and say like, hey, Comcast, we need internet or new headquarters, someone listening might know somebody and be like, can we divert resources and make this happen or something? Twitter might be your best bet. I feel like the, the companies love Twitter now. It took like four months to get internet here. Mm. It was crazy because they have to actually dig, like hang lines and like bury line and actually for miles, like a, like two miles up the road, lay down the fiber lines and then bring it to the house. It's crazy. It's it's a lot of work to do. It's very expensive. It's ridiculously expensive. I did the same thing in my place. I had to drive, put in put in a line from the road all the way up a mile. And, but when you're when you're in a residential area or an urban area that already has backhaul and, and, and lines in the ground. 100 bucks a month for gigabit. When you're in a rural area, it's thousands of dollars a month for the same internet. Mm-hmm. And then when they installed it, they installed it wrong and they gave us the wrong box. So it had, a, it had an optical port and like an ethernet port and they gave us the wrong port and we tried to buy converters and we were like, this is insane. And then they had to come out and reconfigure and like swap it out or something. It isn't crazy. All right, what do we got here? Philip Reed says, if Ian ever leaves, Tim's gonna hang up a sign that says long hair, freaky people need not apply. <laughs> That's actually a good idea to hang up behind Ian as right now. Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> yeah. Andrew Puckett says, Ian's the type of guy who wants to hug in combat. Huh. I, I think so. I yep. mean, uh, I don't. I don't. I don't want to do that. Kenneth, <laughs> Kenneth Hart says, guys, what happened with Tim and Ian in the last three days? Episodes have been fire. The energy is better. The flow is better. And you seem to be having more fun. Everyone seems to be having fun. You know, maybe. I am having fun. You know, once we started working the drugs. with Congress, it's the drugs. <laughs> Beyond the drugs, I, I credit Congress. Spending time at Congress has given me a new lease on life, man. I, I have hope and faith in the system, seeing the amount of work that they are willing to put in. Like Lauren Boebert uh, works thir- 28 days a, a month. She goes, she spends four days a month at home because she's willing to sacrifice and spend that much time. Her family, her kids are there in, the, in there with her. Like, the, the whole family, the sacrifice there, it's amazing. It's inspiration. I have never heard of a person talk about Congress like that in my entire life. Once you get inside and you see the camaraderie and the willingness, it's are talking story. about just the Freedom Caucus and like Matt Gates. Yeah. It's like eight people. Yeah. I love you. Uh, Ian. Send me to Congress. <laughs> I'm not your buddy guy, says Tim. You've got white stuff above your left lip. I, I am uh, outraged at the body shaming that has been going on in chat from the people who are saying that there is something white in my mustache. It is the graying of my beard. It is, it is turning gray. I have gray hairs and y'all are, are shaming me 
and saying I have boogers and don't you ever stop to think about what other people feel when you're shaming? No, so um, this is why guys get the just for men stuff and color their beard. I always thought it was silly because I'm like, who cares? You go gray, you go gray. I don't care. But then someone pointed out to me, they were like, the problem is people keep going, oh, you've got something. And you're like, no, it's just turning white. And they're like, oh, and you you say that 10 times a day. You're like, I'm just going to put this stuff in to make or pluck the hair or something. But when it's getting whiter, then you've got to, you know, more, to, more green vegetables should darken the hair, less salt, more green veg, all that. I've, I've gone through phases where it'll get white and it'll, it'll really? turn dark and, again. And an, another thing that works really well is adrenochrome, I hear. Yes. <laughs> the oxidized blood of uh, no, no, anyone no. in it. What was that? Adrenaline. Oxidized adrenaline. That's what I meant. No, it, it actually, I'm pretty sure it's poison. And that's it. That's, you know, I was, I was Do reading Do people actually it. eat that stuff? I ask you because you're Department I think of it's, Defense. <laughs> I don't think it's real. And I was reading about it and it's, it, it's poisonous. Like you can't ingest it. You know, adrenochrome. Anyway, it's funny. All right, all right. Where are we at? Where are we at? John Kirsten says, Ian, we cannot use conventional tactics against guerrilla tactics. Use their rules for radicals back against them and fight their guerrilla war with their own guerrilla tactics. Morality is on our side. I agree with that, but I think you're conflating the culture war, which isn't actually a war. That's an important thing to remember. You're Excuse wrong. me. It's not a real war. Yes, it is. Uh it's a cold I, civil war. I don't think you call that war. I think that's you softening don't. the term. I, I, it's Google just, the definition of war, and then let's see if we agree or disagree. Let's see what let's, Carl, let's, uh, Carl von Clausewitz. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're doing that, Heron Gaming rock? News says, where's Mr. Bocus, Tim? Probably peeing on the floor somewhere. <laughs> He's sleeping. Oh, no. He's sleeping downstairs right now. Ian brought him in here and he pissed on the yeah, floor. War is the, war is the extenuation of politics by other means. Go ahead. Pull Interesting. It up. I think well, that's Clausewitz. A state of open-armed often prolonged conflict carried on between nation states or parties. So open, but there's armed, more, there's more than just the one definition, uh, the period of such conflict. So like that, the, that was the war. Um, and then the techniques and procedures of war. I don't know why you're using the word in the definition. That makes no sense. <laughs> so I like your definition, Chris, I'm pulling it up. A sustained effort to deal with or end a particular unpleasant or undesirable situation or condition. That's pretty vague, right? Because the, because the issue is, words are defined by how they're used. And when we when we say Cold War, we don't go, well, the, the dictionary says that war is armed conflict, therefore the Cold War never happened. It was more of the cold political dispute between nations. It's like, okay, like we call it a Cold War because... Because it, there were nuclear arms pointed at each other. If there wasn't weapons involved, we, we wouldn't have called it influence operations and spying and stuff. So when you have like Aaron Danielson getting shot twice in the chest and killed by a guy with a, with a communist tattoo on his neck, I'd argue we are in the we are in a in a hot conflict it's just not to the point where the, 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 what we're dealing with is the the weaponization of government against the political enemies uh january 6th type stuff we're looking at pro-lifers getting arrested we're looking at leftists getting a free pass like there is a cold civil war happening and it was a yale professor five years ago who said it so if you don't want to take his word for it totally fine but you have to acknowledge that we've seen violence, death, conflict, all under the guise of, of political tribalism and extremism. So is it a hot civil war with marching nation states against each other? No, but it is a cold civil war. I think it's a fair, fair assessment. Sun Tzu wrote that the ultimate goal of warfare is to win without fighting. Oh, I love that one. There you go. Tim, that. Tim can I give myself a shout out? Yeah. All right, so you guys spent a lot of money to train and educate me when I was a military officer, and it worked because I was right with the Carl von Clausewitz quote, war is the continuation of politics by other means. Probably the only thing I learned. Thank, it's stuck. I don't know what it means. That's no, a, I know what it means. That's a good definition. Yeah. 
It's, Which kind of ties into what you're saying, it's, actually, it's in a weird sort of way. Affecting policy through means other than your standard political but process. That's, in a sense. that's vague because you could have affecting policy through other means that isn't war, like economically bribery. Bribery is not that's warfare. War, that's war. No, it's economic it's warfare. It's softening the term of economic war. warfare is war, bro. Sanctions are 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 uh, uh, catalysts of war and a huge component exactly. They're of war. catalysts of and war. a huge component of war. They blockades are an act of yeah. war. Blockades. Bl- blockades. Blockades are an act of war. No flies. Zones. A lot of these. But those things, are all threats of force, of weaponry. A blockade. Yeah, there's something blo- cutting blow off. Up. And what do you think sanctions are? Do you think we just say, "Don't you do this"? And right, if you do, starving we'll a do, population, we'll do you could argue about that that's a no, weapon. No, it's because we're saying we will lock people up and put them in boxes at gunpoint. Everything is under the under the threat of force. We, I, if, if I we mean, had bribery's no, not bribery's. You just. You know, I, I, so bribing your political gonna, opponents isn't war, but it's a means other I, than. You know, I disagree. To... I think I think it, it, it depends on the, the, the circumstance for which you are bribing the person, obviously. If you're like, hey, I want to build I want to get an easement on my land, push through the the, the the permits, okay, sure. But if it's like I want to ban this group of people from being able to talk, here's a bunch of money, don't let them talk. Yeah, that's 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 war. Uh, Every everything in government is backed by the monopoly on violence. That's how government functions. Are we we're talking about we're talking about literal war, like the definition of war, like Congress is the only body able to declare war. We haven't been at war since uh, World War II. Don't play semantics with me, bro. So <laughs> Vietnam was a war? It was Vietnam a war? No one declared the Cold War, so it never happened, right? It wasn't Ian? a war. The Cold War never happened. I mean, no if you one, Congress st- didn't declare it. Step in front and say, legally, the Cold War was a war, you'd be wrong. And no one's talking about legally. We're, we're talking about we're talking human about ideas and understanding. And often, in an attempt to win arguments, you change definitions of words. So, well, that's, that's a disingenuous way to win an argument. That's what you do. I agree. You are disingenuous. You call it the culture war tongue in cheek. It's not because it's an actual war. I literally said it is a cold civil war. People have been shot and killed. There are people hacking, sending death threats. There's banks shutting down people's uh, finances. Like this is all an attempt to destroy people's lives, cause them physical economic harm in an effort to win a political battle. I feel like you could it's move war. into someone's city and they'll be like, he's declaring war on us by by taking our goods and services and land from us. Even what? though you just did it totally on the board. Be gentrification like, has been called war. Yeah, before. gentrification you're, is war now. War in this, on, it depends. So, so like, it, it's almost like you live in a black and white world where things are binary. Well, when people use understand. words improperly, I get a little upset. But you use words improperly all the time. It's, you, it's that that is an improper use of the term all the time. No, you did it earlier. You like, did it earlier. We're, we're well, mean actually means mean, the mean. average. No, therefore, the, the whole point of that mean. exchange was the, the... You are most famous for making semantic arguments to try and prove a point that doesn't make sense. Like, this is what people complain about. I don't about, care about people on the internet. Dude. I'm, telling I'm telling you, you that everyone is desperately trying to tell you you use semantic arguments all the time. That you is can, a, you can not true. <laughs> you use the term all the time as if it's Bro. like a cudgel, and you're wrong. I don't do that all the time. We were on stage at Long Shots, and we were talking about the great thing, like the, the the great things you bring up on the show. And then I said, "But not the semantic arguments." And everyone started cheering and clapping in the audience. You created that meme. No, no, I didn't. Yes, I am simply responding to what people are literally saying in the chat. Like, I, I don't make it up. You were the one that said semantics earlier, like earlier while we were today, at the old office and then other people started parroting it in the chat. being mean in math means the average. So if you're being mean to someone, you're bringing them to the average. Like, no, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's not a, that's a homonym, not a synonym. That it, there's no relation to those words. And that's what you did. Anyway, let's read some more Super Chats. All right, all right, all right. What do we got? Uh, let's see. 
God gave rock and roll to you, says, ask him, uh, wait, I'm sorry, no, the National Guard is for riots. I want our military to handle the invasion at the southern border. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. S.A. Federale says, Chris is saying what I tried selling to my recruiters 20 years ago, and I was and was told I watched too many movies. I'm going to keep up with what he's he's doing for sure. Yeah. Yeah, they, they're like, get a big jet and fly the jet around. And it's like, uh, some dude's going to pop out of the bushes with a remote control car with a bomb strap to it, and he's going to drive it into your tent. And you're going to be like, what's that thing? Is what's going is on winning. in the southern border war? Is it an invasion? Yes. I, th- I think it's a national. I think it's the purpose of our military. Hey, when, you I have, saw- when you have people marching with flags of their home country into your country, like, <laughs> I don't understand why that's not an invasion. It's like literally people waving a flag of another country marching into yours. Like, if, if, if this was 1500s France and a bunch of British subjects with British flags marched into France and then stuck the flag in the ground and said, This land is ours now and we're going to live and work here, they'd be like, Okay, these British people are invading France. I'm, I, you don't have to start shooting each other with bows and arrows or whatever. It's like it happened. All right. Where are we at? Let's grab a couple more as we wrap up. Brandon says, damn, I love this show. Ian is the man. Thanks, Dan. But that was an old super chat. If you'd heard the last five minutes, you might have chatted something else. Ian, too honest. Too honest. Just take the, take the win. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> uh, there's a bunch of redacted super chats. People are, are, are rescinding them. Maybe it's because they were saying mean things, but then they said... Yes. Uh, mean things about Ian, but then decided they shouldn't. Yeah, they they shouldn't. realized. They didn't want to bring Ian to average. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, uh, here we go. Steven says, all the fiber optic cable in the eastern U.S. is getting buried here in Franklin, North, North Carolina. Well, I need it. I am, I am outraged. <laughs> all right, everybody. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, become a member at TimCast.com, and head over to YouTube.com slash TimCast. And check out the first episode of The Culture War with Tim Pool featuring Ali London as our first guest, a man who was transitioning to be a Korean woman and is now detransitioned and wrote a book about it and is speaking out against what they're doing to people and kids. And actually a motivational section in his book about how to overcome these identity issues and, and find yourself. It's really interesting stuff. We got uh, that's going to be once a week. The episodes will go up on Friday. Friday's not a good day to ever publish anything, but it is what it is. And I, I assume people can watch the episodes throughout the week if they want to. We'll have clips up throughout the week as well. And we're going to have more guests from the cultural spaces talking about life and what's going on. We've got, a re- we've got really great guests coming up. The next three guests are going to be incredible. So check that out. You can follow the show at Timcast IRL. You can follow me personally at Timcast. Chris, do you want to shout anything out? Modern Town Square is what you're doing. This is really important. Thanks for having me on. Give me a chance to laugh but also try to answer some questions probably failed in most cases but thanks which what you guys are doing it's really important for our country right on could you tell us more about your book too i'm I'm so bad at my pitch and the publisher's like you got to pitch your book all the time you can hold it up too hey this thing you will laugh so everybody will all my buddies critique my book like i didn't like you know this part i'm like did you laugh like i did laugh i'm like my mission is complete but this talks about you know, uh, th- some good stories, but at the end of the day, it's about accountability. It's about moving forward with our country, and it's also about you know those that serve and those they serve. We got to do better bringing that together. Back to our point, because th- what you brought up, civilian oversight is essential to our country, and I just kind of behind the scenes, uh, you know, 
I t- I'm talking too much. I know you no, keep you it going. Me the look. No, hey, I know we got to get off. Like, I should never have had this job. I'm a kid from Iowa. It only happens in America. You know, I wasn't one of these. Uh, I was just a guy who started out in the field and was fortunate enough to lead our our men and women uh, of our armed forces. We're really fortunate in this country, and I got great hope. Absolutely, I right got on. great hope. I'm sorry. I know you guys get a little down in the mouth. I listen. You're like, well, think- it's the end of the world. I'm like, man, we got. You go out in America, you know it. You see it out there. Those it, people. It, it may be a dramatic transformation, but uh, I said the other day, humans have overcome every single challenge set before them thus far, and I don't think we're the exception where it's all going to fall apart. I Thanks. think things could get bad, but uh, we'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. Eli. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to check out your book. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. I am Alad Eliyahu. I report for Timcast News. You can find me on Twitter, Alad Eliyahu, Instagram, Barely Informed with Alad. And uh, that's it. Thank you. And uh, leader of the Bolton Bros. Leader of the Bolton Bros. Um, one day we're going to have a mustaches only um, episode, hopefully. <laughs> mustaches so. only. Yeah, I'll I tell am, you about it next time uh, ahead of time, Chris. Wish I would have known. <laughs> I am Phil Labonte, uh, lead vocalist for All That Remains. Uh, anti-communist and counter-revolutionary. You can check me out on Twitter, Phil That Remains on Instagram, uh, Phil That Remains Official. Yeah. I'm Ian Crossland at iancrossland.net. I got a few speaking engagements coming up, one of which will be on May 13th in Oakland, California. Called the, It's part of the TakeHumanActionTour.com uh, speaking tour. We're going to be with the Mises Caucus speaking. So that's TakeHumanActionTour.com. You can get tickets there. Awesome, Chris. I'm really looking forward to working with you in the future, man. That was some real I pleasure i didn't let you guys down like content was bad You're like oh that was the dude work. we barely as long as you don't surface. storm out after a half an hour we're good <laughs> just thanks for everything you've done obviously and and being able to talk about it publicly so easily it's really cool and like, you were saying we control the weather i was thinking like who is we as well <laughs> <laughs> who is they? it's they before they we go i'd like to introduce kellen yes um yeah fridays are always fun thanks a bunch uh great conversation you're a very funny guy um hey tomorrow uh rally for ukraine i know all of timcast viewers are going to be there bright and early <laughs> but no uh Alad and i will be down there in dc interviewing people about the ukraine war um is that what it's called rally yeah. for ukraine it's the one year anniversary of uh since russia invaded uh, the territory so okay. Check uh, yeah, so check that out, and then also again check out the Culture War with Tim Pool. It's a great new show. I listened to it; it was awesome. You guys can follow me at Kellen PDL on Twitter. Thanks, guys. Thanks for hanging out, everybody, and we will see you all with clips throughout the weekend, and then we'll be back on Monday. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus